0: preview and hot topics sound off joining us for today's podcast is our co-host Jay Huseman welcome to the show Jay
1: good afternoon Sharon a big weekend at Bristol a lot of things to be decided some of it championships some of it to determine championships so a lot going on and that's not even talking about hot topics yet
0: I know. There is so much news coming out this week. Okay, we are going to, in our first half hour, we're going to talk some short track news and some upcoming races. We'll also preview the Arca Menards, Sioux Chief Showdown, and Arca East race at Bristol Motor Speedway. One race, three different series accumulating points. So uh, this is a really big race. It actually is the Arca East season finale. And then we'll also give uh, a quick update on the ARCA West as well. At the top of the hour, in our second half hour, we're going to uh, uh, have the media interview with Eric Almirola that took place yesterday. Uh, He's the NASCAR Cup Series driver of the number 10 Ford at Stuart Haas Racing. He has a new sponsor, and it's kind of a very interesting uh, situation with his sponsors so we'll we'll have that interview and then we'll preview the NASCAR truck series at Bristol they had their elimination race last week at Kansas I think that was the elimination race wasn't it Jay? I'm uh, sure yes that it
1: was for them Yeah, for them Bristol is the first race of the new round
0: exactly the round of 8 they're at now so uh, we're going to close up a segment in our third half hour with the NASCAR Xfinity Series season finale as well as the Cup Series at Bristol. Both of those races are at Bristol Motor Speedway. Then our, then uh, at the top of the fourth hour, uh, let's see, at the top of the third hour or the fourth half hour, the third, we'll just say uh, fourth half hour, then stay tuned for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew. So uh, that would be myself, Jay, as well as Mike Orzel will be joining us for that conversation. So let's go ahead and get started with uh, Racing America and some of the short track news. Uh, there's not a whole lot more uh, than what we talked about on, on uh, Monday night. But uh, there is a few things that we can talk about here.
1: Well, to start okay. with, uh, you're right. Uh, from from Wednesday or here into Wednesday now, um, not a whole lot more comes back up. But I know we got uh, Thompson Speedway; they're set to roar back to life here on a Wednesday.
0: Exactly, and then also. I know we'll be talking more extensively about this during our Hot Topic Sound Off segment, but in case you missed uh, the uh, announcement from Kyle Busch and Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, that he'll be racing at Richard Childress Racing for next season, they have a video uh, post-announcement over at Racing America so if you want to check that out, uh, that's available over at Racing America as well. Uh, and part of that news is that uh, Cowbush Motorsports is also moving over to Chevrolet uh, for next season. So big, big news there in that regard.
1: Well, and that certainly does come into play when, when you talk about the, um, the short track news with KBM uh, trucks. I know with his late model, they aren't necessarily by brand, per se, a manufacturer. But the driver development program, I think, is going to change up hugely uh, as far as that goes throughout the line. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out down in the future. This decision that was made yesterday or announced yesterday isn't just uh, about Kyle Bush RCR. Uh, there's a lot of impacted things that we have yet to see the full impact of.
0: Absolutely, so watch for more news in that regard. Now, there's also some penalties issued uh, in the CARS tour. Uh, penalties were announced for Carson Quapple as well as Jake Garcia pertaining to their actions in the Harrison Workwear.com 225 at Tri-County Speedway on Friday evening. Uh, after an accident on the cool-down da- cool lap of the car's late-model stock car tour, Feature that saw him turn Zach Miracle into the wall points leader Carson Quapple has been suspended for the next event at Ace Speedway for violating Section 1A of the penalty code, stated in the series rule book. Under this guideline, any member who performs an act or participates in action deemed by officials as detrimental to racing or the series can be assessed a fine of $500 or in face a, and face a suspension or lose championship points. So along with that suspension, Quapo has also been based, placed on probation by the Cars Tour for three final races of the 2022 season. Any additional violations he commits while on probation could result in further disciplinary actions by the series. For Garcia... He turned William Solilich around in the final lap while battling for the lead. He will be allowed to keep his victory on the 100-lap Cars Pro Late Model Tour feature, but he must undergo his – he must forego his total race winnings of $4,000. After carefully reviewing every single angle of the last lap accident at Troy County and seeking opinions of other race directors from respected series, officials determined that Garcia was too aggressive in his attempt to overtake Solvulic and excessive aggression caused Solvulic to lose control and impact the wall. So two very big, big penalties there in uh, late models.
1: And unfortunately, we have seen this before. When you talk about these lower series, I know at the the cup level and uh, higher levels, we don't see a whole lot of uh, suspensions for that. Um, drivers are more mature, for one, more professional, but also there's a lot of sponsorship and things involved. Uh, at this late model level, that's where they're teaching them, hey, it's going to cost you if you drive like this. So I understand their, their position. You mentioned it. They, they talk to other series directors. Um, I hate to see it you know, uh, for uh, Travis, or not Travis, sorry, Carson Cavaple, as he is, he mentioned the points leader, had some really good runs lately, so uh, building a reputation, and I hate to see that for him, but like I said, I think this is the level, just as they're learning to drive the car, they got to learn how to handle themselves in situations.
0: Yes, indeed, that's part of the learning curve for these young drivers, uh, they have to learn hand, how to handle their emotions in these types of situations. And unfortunately, uh, that maturity uh, level isn't always there for the younger drivers. So sometimes they act out on things that a more mature, well, I can't always say a more, <laughs> but a more mature driver uh, may act differently in that regard. So we've seen it happen even in the in the, um NASCAR top 3 series where drivers uh, let their emotions get the best of them. Uh, and it's it's not an easy learning curve to to handle those emotions.
1: No, you're right and that's uh, kind of categorizing as a whole. We we definitely have seen some immature things from some veteran drivers. Um uh, <laughs> that is part of the sport. I I understand that. Uh, in a case like this it, it was taken a bit too far uh i haven't seen uh, seen a video of that race yet but uh like i said especially at this level i think they're really trying to teach them that of uh, this is not acceptable um behavior or w- way to race uh at that level
0: absolutely now thompson speedway is going to be set to roar on wednesday that's today at Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park, uh, it's a .625 mile oval, and will play host to another round of action for the Outlaw Open Modified Series at the Tri-Point Showdown 75. So, uh, look for uh, some racing over there at Racing America from Thompson Speedway.
1: And if you live in an area where these races are taking place, that's great. But to be able to watch uh, midweek racing like this is awesome. And we have the opportunity of uh, Flow Racing as well as um, Racing America. Uh, I'm not sure if this one's going to be covered here on Racing America or not. But uh, you get to see coverage of these midweek races. And I know NASCAR's looked at that, talked about it. We'll see what happens down the road. But these weekly or touring series like this, doing these mid-week races, I think is uh, extremely beneficial for the sport.
0: It certainly is. I'm going to head over to Flow Racing now and see what they have over there. Uh, they do have a feature here. It's a, actually a video. Ten Questions with Short Track Super Series driver Matt Shepard is on the hot seat in this edition's of Ten Questions. So uh, kind of a fun uh, feature there with uh, some of the late model drivers uh, to field uh, some questions from, uh, I'm not sure who's conducting the interview there, but uh, to field some questions and, and for fans to get to know those drivers a little bit better. So that's always kind of fun too.
1: I know we've been talking about that. Uh, some of you more enthusiastic about it with the uh, race for the championship on USA for the NASCAR Cup Series. This is a a, a session to do the same thing. You get to know the drivers uh, on a more personal level, their thoughts and insights. When we have the guests on here, a lot of the questions we ask are for that same purpose. You really get to know the drivers and understand them, and that's where you really pick your favorite, not just uh, what car looks good out on the track or whatever, but who you can relate to.
0: Exactly, Uh, and, and we've said this before, too. There is no shortage of racing available for anybody who enjoys racing, and it doesn't matter if it's asphalt or dirt racing. There is a lot of racing streaming live at uh, Flow Racing or Racing America uh, that you can get involved with and watch those races. And guess what? If you happen to miss the race, we always think it's best if you can get out there to the track, but if you miss that race, you can watch the replay of the race at those locations as well. So it's really worth uh, the extra investment to subscribe to either one of those sites to uh, see additional racing uh, not only over the weekend but throughout the week. So there is a whole lot of news uh, available. The Wheel and Tour uh, is going to honor Eddie Partridge with a special format so uh that's at Riverhead Raceway and uh that's something for those that like to watch the Wheel and Modify tour, uh that special honoring of Eddie Partridge with the special format at Riverhead Speedway.
2: I Eddie haven't Partridge by the way is the
0: track owner. Go ahead. You you
1: go on, Sharon. I, was I, say, was just... I haven't seen what format format they're using, but on some of these races, that's an I find an interesting aspect. I'm not saying, kind of like the All Star race, you like to see a different format every once in a while. Not necessarily weekly, but when they do these races like that, where they do do a, a different format, I know I got one coming up I got to cover. It makes a it makes it interesting to see once in a while.
0: Yes, it is, and I, and I'm sorry I said uh, track owner. He's actually a team owner. Uh, Former Riverhead and longtime team owner Eddie Partridge is being honored with a 256-lap race named after him on Saturday. Normally a 200-lap feature, the race has been extended by NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour and Riverhead officials to its new distance to pay tribute to the number six that Partridge fielded in the series uh, for so many years. So I think that's pretty cool that they're doing that and taking the time to honor uh, some of these folks. I know Ryan Priest is going to be there.
1: I was I was trying to think of some of the drivers that that have been connected. Yeah, Ryan Priest was one of them. Uh, I think wasn't James Bickford as well.
0: Uh, He was associated with um, uh, Sunrise. Ford Racing when it was called Sunrise Ford it's now called Sunrise Racing but yeah uh, James Bickford uh, raced uh, n- I don't know if he raced in the wheel and modified but he raced
2: the
0: uh 10M Pro Series with Sunrise Ford And that's, that's I was
1: uh, Partridge,
0: Partridge was
1: there at one time too with the West Series
0: Well there was a Ryan Partridge that raced in the West Series
1: Oh, maybe that's who I'm thinking. Okay, maybe that's who I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, there was a Ryan Partridge that raced in the Canon West Series. Yep, you're
1: okay, right. That's what have... I was thinking.
0: Yeah. We're going to go ahead and move over to the Arkham Menard Series now. They are racing this week out of Bristol Motor Speedway. As I mentioned earlier, this is going to be the season finale uh, for – Um. I want to see if I can find these notes. I sent them to you. I'm going to have to look at your notes. Um, I um, they are. It's a season finale for the Arkham and Art series. East, uh, the Bush Bean suit Chief Showdown Championship pre-race notes, and actually, it's going to be the season finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown Championship as well. Sal, or I'm sorry, Jay.
1: <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, you mentioned it, uh, three different um, point standings of championships uh, looking to be worked on here. I know it is not the final for the Arkham Menard Series, but it is, as you mentioned, for the East Series as well as the Sioux Chief Showdown. Now, Nick Sanchez enters that Bush Beans 200 Sioux Chief Showdown uh, championship with a 12-point lead in the Arkham Menard Series championship standings over Daniel Dye. And Sanchez finished second in the Kansas Lottery 150 at Kansas Speedway, while Dye Di- finished fourth. Unfortunately, our third place, that one's a little bit tougher to cover. Here
0: it is. After two finishes outside the top ten at DeCoin State Fairgrounds and Kansas Speedway, Raja Caruth now sits 38 points out of the lead with three le- races left in the Arca Menard series. Uh, and, uh, he w- ha- was carrying the series points lead for a while, but, uh, with a couple of really rough, uh, races here, he's kind of fallen back to that 38 points back. So he's going to be looking, uh, for a rebound. at at Bristol.
1: Now, one that is sitting pretty, you mentioned Sammy Smith. He finished third at Kansas Speedway in his 12th, with his 12th uh, top 5 finish in 13 starts for 2022. And he's looking to uh, have a huge weekend here at Bristol.
0: He is because he's going to look to lock up both the Arkham and Art Series East Championship and the Sioux Chief Showdown Championship by taking the green flag in the Bush Beans 200 uh, Sioux Chief Showdown Championship. It will be his second consecutive East Championship and second consecutive Sioux Chief Showdown Championship for the number 18 team, which won last year with Ty Gibbs driving that number 18. Team. KBM car. And to tell you why,
1: Smith's average finish in the nine Sioux Chief showdown races at this point for twenty twenty two is an impressive two point <laughs>
0: It does indeed. Also, Jesse Love and Taylor Gray returned to the Arkham and series for another short track round. Gray is looking for his fourth win of the season following victories at Phoenix, Mid Ohio, Pocono, and uh, Gray also won the East Race in May at Dover Motor Speedway. It's a concrete one-mile over similar to Bristol. So uh, look out there. Love won the dirt race at Illinois State Fairgrounds earlier in 2022 and won on a similar high bank half-mile Salem Speedway in 2021. So those two are uh, two drivers to definitely keep your eye on here.
1: And normally we see uh, these other series a little more spaced out, but the Bush Beans 200 Suit Chief Showdown Championship, it'll be the third race for the Arkham Menard series in 11 days. Uh, two of them were postponed by a day due to inclement weather as the Rust Oleum Automotive finishes 100 at DeCoin, which was won by dirt specialist Ryan Unziker, uh, kicked off that stretch Monday, September 5th after the lottery 150 which was won by Corey Heim. Uh, that was also pushed back a day and ran on Sunday morning. So that's pretty impressive for the, for this uh, this series, uh, as we say. They normally have kind of a two-week to maybe even a month gap between races.
0: That's true. Uh, there are a few drivers here that are uh, going to have milestones this weekend. Nick Sanchez, Tony Bridinger, and Alex Club are all scheduled to make their 30th career Arkham and Art Series start in the Bush Beans 200 uh, and the Sioux Chief Showdown Championship, so uh, uh, keep an eye on those drivers as well uh, as they celebrate their 30th start.
1: Well, and we'll talk about this name here a couple times throughout the uh, preview (laughs) and Hot Topics. We've got Brandon Jones. He's going to make his fifth and final start of 2022 in the number 81 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. And Jones has three wins at Kansas Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Watkins Glen International. His worst finish this season was third at Pocono.
0: Okay, here's another name to watch: Connor Mosack. He's returning to the number 23 Brett Holmes Racing Chevrolet. Mosack's best ARCA series. Uh, finish of the season was a third at Iowa Speedway. He won the Trans Am Series race on Saturday out at Watkins Glen International. I love seeing the crossover here between the different uh, uh, sports racing series.
1: And we're starting to see that even at the cup level. Yeah, that is great. Now, we mentioned the uh, coverage, the Bush Beans 200 Sioux Chief Showdown Championship. It's set for 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, Thursday, September 15th. Uh, That's why we're doing the podcast today. And then we'll be televised live on FS1, but it'll also be broadcast on select affiliates of the MRN Radio Network Nationwide and Sirius XM Radio Channel 391.
0: Okay, so that's pretty cool. Let's uh, take a rundown of the uh, entry list here for this race. Uh it's it's usually uh a pretty big entry list. I can, let me see if I can find it here. Here it is. Okay, again three different series uh for points, one race. Uh we'll use our usual uh format here going uh, bottom up, Jay. Do you want All me right. to start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, A.J. Moyer in the 06 out of Tampa, Florida, will be driving the River's Edge Cottages in RV Park, uh, number zero six Ford, for Wayne Peterson. But it will be Michael Peterson on top of the pit box. And then Brian Club will be on top of the pit box for the Alex Club, number 3, out of Morris, Illinois, the Freshman Bubba and Muthus Royster Apparel Ford. <laughs> That's a
1: mouthful. Yeah, that one certainly was. Some of these sponsors can be. In the O2, Tyler Young Chevrolet will have young Leland Honeyman out of Mooresville, North Carolina. He's got Andrew Abbott as his crew chief for the LH Waterfront Construction. And then in another Helenberg, this one, a Toyota machine, the number 01 will be Stephanie Moyer out of Shepton, Pennsylvania, as the Harry's Pullet Sponsorship with Mike Schruth as the crew chief.
0: Okay, and uh, Mark Noble is uh, fielding an entry, the number 95 for Tanner Arms out of Springfield, Tennessee, uh, driving the Cedar City RV Toyota. David Noble will be on top of the pit box, and Terry Carroll will be on top of the pit box, team owner, uh, for the number 91 of Justin Carroll. Out of West Point, Virginia, Carroll's Automotive, Toyota.
1: And then in that number uh, 81 Gibbs machine we talked about, Brandon Jones comes out of Atlanta, Georgia, carrying the Menards Homeworks sponsorship, Jeff Mendering as the crew chief. And then out of Tonawanda,
2: New York,
1: excuse me, <laughs> Tonawanda, New York driver, Andy Jankowick in the number 70. Three Cell Phone Machine, a Toyota Planner Box as a sponsor Mike Dayton is the one calling The shots there
0: Yeah, Andy Ditalyak. Uh Then it'll be Michael Lira driving that number 60 uh, port or- From Fort Orange, Florida ACL Remodeling LLC Gyrum Tile Chevrolet For Josh Williams And Josh will be on top of the pit box Then it'll be David Leaner on top of the pit box for the Venturini owned uh, number 55 Toyota for Connor Jones out of Fredericksburg, Virginia for Jones Utilities.
2: We talked
1: about the crossover from different sports series. We also have that international flavor as Andres Perez villara out of Mexico City, Mexico, going to be driving the 51 for DGR in a Ford. Johnny Gray is listed as the owner. Derek Smith as the crew chief. And then Ashton Higgins out of Weaverville, North Carolina brings a leapfrog landscaping Alliance Driveway Solutions number 49 Toyota for his uh, cell phone team. Tony Pankoskas, I believe, is the uh, crew chief.
0: Okay, driving the familiar number 48 is Brad Smith from Shelby Township, Michigan. And uh, he'll be high, he'll be behind the wheel of his own Chevrolet with Leo Kreiger on top of the uh, pit box, and Jeff McClure will be on top of the pit box for his team, uh, fielding Ron Vandemere Jr. in the number 44 Outer Sheridan, Illinois, the Mac Rack Make Rack Repair Finish Line Flooring Board.
1: We got a championship contender. The number 43, Daniel Dye, comes out of Dealand, Florida, with the champion container, a GMS Murray Gallagher-owned Chevrolet. Chad Bryant, as always, right there with him on top of the box. And on a roll, just got his first top ten. We talked to him, what was it, a Monday night. Christian Rose in the Bruce Cook Chevrolet number 42 comes from Martinsburg, West Virginia, and brings the West Virginia Tourism Almost Heaven sponsorship along with Derek Peebles as his crew chief.
0: Okay. I apologize for that. (laughs) Uh, Driving the number 35, another uh, FAMFA Racing guest uh, regular, Greg Van Alst out of Andersonville, Indiana, will be driving his CB Fabricating Ford for his own team with Jim Long on the pit box, and Mart Reck will be on top of the pit box for his number 30 team, driven by uh, Amber Balkin from Winnipeg, Manitoba. She'll be driving the Icon Ford this weekend.
1: Another female d- driver, Tony Bridger, out of Hillsboro, California, in the number 25 Venturini machine. Uh, Kevin, Ruda, Kevin Reed Jr. as the crew chief for that Pit Viper machine. And then we talked about Connor Mozak. He is in the Stacey Holmes. Owned number 23 Chevrolet, comes out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Shane Huffman with him as the crew chief.
0: Okay. Shannon Rush will be on top of the pit box for Venturini Motorsports. And Jesse Love will be behind the wheel of their number 20 uh, Crescent Tool Toyota. He hails from Redwood City, California. And Sammy Smith out of Johnston, Iowa, will be behind the wheel of the number 18 TMC Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, Mark McFarlane will be on top of the pit box.
1: Regular Crew Chief Chad Johnston's on the box again for DGR. Uh, David Gillen Racing Ford, number 17 for Taylor Gray, comes from Mooresville, North Carolina. And then out of New Bronxville, Texas comes Parker Chase in the number 15 Venturini Toyota. He's got Doug George as his crew chief on the Ontivity Toyota.
0: Okay, Dick Doheny will be on top of the pit box for the Hillenburg, number no. twelve Chevrolet, driven by D.L. Wilson out of Mark, Texas, and with a sponsor, Heart of Texas Speedway. And Zachary Tinkle is behind the wheel of the number 11. He hails from Speedway, Indiana, and he's always racing for rescues. He'll be in the Hillenburg Ford with Andy Hillenburg on top of the pit box.
1: The Hillenburg Toyota number 10, that is Tim Monroe, shows himself crew chiefing there. I always like to see that as (laughs) they have to work together as a team. But comes out of Elmwood, Illinois, with the Fast Track Racing Sponsorship. And then one of the rev racing machines, the number six, Rajah Carruth. He hails from Washington, D.C., and he'll have Brad Means uh, helping him out.
0: Okay. Mason Diaz is back. He'll be driving the number three, uh, Solid Rock Carrier's Crow Ring Recycling Toyota. He hails from Manassas, Virginia. Uh, He's driving uh, for Willie Mullins this weekend, and Austin Simmons will be on top of the pit box. That boot, Matt Butcher is on top of the pit box for the Max Siegel Rev Racing Chevrolet this weekend with uh, Nick Sanchez from Miami, Florida behind the wheel of that number two Gamebridge Max Siegel, Inc. Chevrolet.
1: And the final entrance that we have on the list, which I believe was 31 drivers, that's the number one of James Finch-owned, Jake Finch-driven uh, Phoenix Construction Toyota. Comes out of Lynn Haven, Florida, and he brings with him Johnny Allen as his crew chief.
0: Okay. Uh, we covered three series. The Arco West, just so you know, their next race is October the 1st. The Napa Auto Care 150 at 645 Pacific. That's 945 Eastern at All-American Speedway. That will be available on Flow Racing. And, of course, we will uh, carry the preview of that race. Uh, just prior to that. So now uh, it is time for us to go to uh, the audio that we have here from Eric Almarola, the driver of the number 10 Stewart House Racing Ford. Uh, joining him in this media interview is Kel Cairns. He's uh, from Electric Vehicle Center Plant Manager for Blue Oval City. Uh, and you are going to learn more about what that is, uh, as uh, that is Eric Almarola's new sponsor. So we'll hear what he has to say in this interview coming up right now.
3: All right. Joining us this afternoon, we're joined by driver of the number 10 Blue Oval City Ford Mustang, Eric Almarola, And also we're being joined by Kel Kearns, who's the Electric Vehicle Center Plant Manager for Blue Oval City, we announced uh, about 45 minutes ago that Blue Oval City is going to be on Eric's car this weekend for the annual Bristol Night Race. And, Kel, if I could just kick it off with you briefly, just for those who may not have seen this release, can, can you just kind of describe a little bit about what Blue Oval City is and just kind of what this opportunity means for you? Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Really uh, enjoy the opportunity to, uh, to talk with racers, uh, Eric, about... Um Ford, uh, as you know, is leading the electric
1: revolution um, with strong plans to uh, create uh, a sustainable automotive uh, manufacturing uh, ecosystem at Blue Oval City. Um, We have an electric vehicle centre, we have uh, a battery plant and uh, other suppliers that together will be producing uh, the next generation battery electric truck for Ford while uh, creating 6,000 jobs.
3: So uh, really excited to be uh, showcasing Blue Oval City on Eric's uh, Ford Mustang this weekend. And Eric, the playoffs are off to a start with well, these non-playoff drivers who've won the first two races. I'm sure you'd like to make it a third this weekend. But just, what's it like for you to have a new partner on board for this
4: weekend? Well, it's awesome. Uh, you know, obviously Ford has been uh, a great uh, supporter of, of mine over the last 11 years. I've, that's the only Cup car I've ever driven. Um, you know has, has been a Ford so um that's been uh, that's been fun over the last eleven years and then to to see the progression uh Ford Motor Company's made over those eleven years of me driving a, a blue oval and to now represent uh, them this weekend at Bristol with blue oval city and what a what a phenomenal uh facility they're going they're going to build there um, and I just hope that uh, the five and a half billion dollars that they've Uh, committed to to build this facility um, doesn't uh, take away from our racing program. Is that okay, Kale? (laughs) (laughs) All right, if you've got a question for
3: either Eric or Kale, by all means, raise your hand uh, or send me your question in the chat, and I'm happy to ask it for you. Uh, Let's kick it off here first with Corinne Kennedy. Hey, Corinne, welcome to the call. Ask your question for Eric or Kale. Go ahead.
2: Hey, thanks. Yeah, this is Corinne Kennedy,
4: Commercial Appeal here in Memphis. Um, Eric, you mentioned you've been with Ford for 11 years. You know, you said you feel like you're part of the Ford family. So what does it mean that you're going to be representing kind of the future of the company this weekend at such an iconic race? Well, it means a lot. And, you know, to do it in the playoffs with a, you know, with a, a large spotlight on us, um, you know, do it in Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, the the new plant is going to be in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it's just a, a, a really – cool weekend and a great opportunity for me like you said uh, I over the last 11 years I've seen a lot of progression uh, out of Ford Motor Company uh, I remember getting to go down in the, the basement of Ford headquarters and I had to you know had to give my cell phone to this uh, security guard and wasn't allowed to take my cell phone in there and I got to go see um, the, the you know the clay model of the Ford GT when they were getting ready to come out with that. Um, And then also got to go down there and see when they were developing the Bronco a year before anybody else even knew about it. Um, And same thing, electric Mustang, get to see that. So I've been able to see uh, the future and the growth of Ford Motor Company over the years through my relationship with them. And it has been so much fun for me to kind of be able to see behind the curtain. And you know, here's another opportunity to uh, to be involved in the future of Ford Motor Company, and to um, you know, to be able to to cast a spotlight on Blue Oval City and what a what a phenomenal place that they're going to build there. They're going to create between there and, and Blue Oval SK um, eleven thousand uh, new American jobs. Uh, it's just incredible, and and it's been really enjoyable to be be along there long for the ride um, throughout the journey. Thank you, Corinne. Let's go to Bob Popper Hey, Bob. Hey, Eric, I'm curious, do you feel these last eight races, are you working toward 2023 or are there too many changes with the car and everything that what you're learning now isn't as focused on 2023 as it might've been in previous years? No, we're working really hard on 2023, Bob. Um, you know, we, we – the last six races before the playoffs, we were really trying to just kind of massage on things and trying to take race cars that we felt like were capable of running 7th to 12th and, like, fine-tune it, um, hoping that we would hit on that, you know, missing ingredient to get to where we needed to be to be a winning race car. And now that we're out of the playoffs, we've really used this opportunity as a, as a team, a the 10-team individually. Um, we've used it as an opportunity um, to kind of swing for the fences on stuff that is way outside of the box, um, on anything that, we've, that we looked at previously. Um, and it's also, I feel like, a, a big learning curve for our organization. We have a lot of great engineers, um, you know, here that have a lot of bright ideas. And oftentimes throughout the middle part of the season, um, you know, we we would shoot them down because we're like, man, we can't, we can't try that. We only have 15 minutes of practice, and what if it doesn't work? If it doesn't work, we can't get it back out of the car. Um, so we weren't really willing to take that risk. And especially, you know, early summer months, we were right on the, the line for the cutoff for the playoff on points, And so we were just trying to be consistent, and we couldn't really take that risk. And so now, you know, not being in the playoffs, and I feel like we all have kind of held hands and, um, you know, don't really care about finishing 17th, 18th, 19th in points. Um, doesn't really matter as much to us as much as it does to learn as much as we can going into next year so that we can go race for a championship next year. Um, you know, Drew and I had that conversation with our team uh, after we missed the playoffs at Daytona, uh, we came back to the shop and we talked, and we said, "Hey, I remember a handful of years ago uh, the 22 car missed the playoffs and came back the next year and won the championship. So, um, you know, we're not we're not going to get too upset and hang our heads. We're just going to look ahead and uh, focus on getting better for next year." Thanks. That
1: might.
0: Okay, we'll let it uh in there. Uh but your thoughts about uh the new sponsor for uh Eric Almirola, Uh this is part of the future, uh and NASCAR is headed in this same direction, Jay.
1: Yeah, there there's several things there. One, uh, to see the commitment that and I didn't realize it that Eric Almirola had been with uh with Ford his entire cup series career there as a full time driver. Uh, so, for them to have chosen him as that, that driver and Stuart Haas Racing is huge. I like the commitment a manufacturer is making. I, I think we've seen this more out of Toyota than anybody, but Ford making that same commitment as far as to a, the team, uh, not just by providing um, the cars and, and whatever, but also with sponsorship in promoting it. So i really like to see that i don't know i know there was some allusion to the the fact that maybe this is why eric came back for uh another year plus we don't know that yet but did not retire after this year as was originally planned and and if so i mean it's certainly a worthwhile cause to to represent the ford brand the blue oval
0: yeah this certainly would be a great reason for eric amarola to change his mind about retirement and uh, to stay in NASCAR, and to stay with Ford, for that matter, uh, there at Stuart Haas Racing. So, yeah, I think there is an allusion to that. Uh, I didn't hear the rest of the interview. There's actually the interview in its entirety is 22.42 seconds, um, 22 minutes 42 two seconds. Uh, so we only listened to maybe a third of that. So. <laughs> Uh, There's more to this interview uh, that uh,
2: uh,
0: maybe more was revealed a little bit later. But I think this is good news. I know some fans are not really excited to hear about electric cars coming to NASCAR, but uh, I think it's going to be a fact of life. I don't think there's going to be much of a choice at some point. And so to start introducing this within the NASCAR ranks I think is a good thing.
1: Well, I'm I'm one of those. I know we've we've had that hot topic discussion before. I am not in favor of it. Um, but I am a NASCAR fan. And, and like you said, it's it's reality. You know, you know, no matter what it be, the manufacturers coming in, um that maybe fans aren't a fan of or the change over to the new car, the next gen car, it becoming an electric car, uh you're either a fan and we're going to continue to support it and watch it or you're not, I guess. Um from that aspect, but he mentioned several things there of of getting to see the future if you will by seeing some of the things ford was producing before they came out to the public i thought that was mm-hmm. really cool what do you call it a perk a, a great perk of uh, the sponsorship deal he's had um no that'd kidding. be a pretty cool perk to have
0: yeah that that is an excellent perk to have and a good reason to come out of retirement uh, because it's kind of a golden opportunity, if you will, Jay. The
2: other,
1: the other thing I, that that he answered, and I believe it was Bob Pocras that asked, with this next gen car, talking about how much more you can plan for next year um, with this car, the way it is, and not a whole lot of playroom uh, on the spec parts, but that they are still focused and trying to find the things they can work on and what will work as they are now, as you mentioned throughout the uh the last final races being that they weren't in the playoffs you know he said going into the playoffs we were still trying to get the car right to make it uh they unfortunately didn't they are looking at the at, at twenty twenty three and beyond as far as now what they can do so um just, uh word bad that they didn't make the playoffs but being that they are out they can do that uh research and development, if you will, for the entirety of Stuart Haas racing so that all four teams will benefit come next year.
0: Absolutely, and that has to be an inspiration for Eric Almirola as well. They mentioned the 22 car not making the the, uh, uh, playoffs that one year and then coming back the very next year and winning that championship. It sounds like they've really put a lot of – effort into supporting that effort in the 2023 season and how great would that be for Eric Almarola to win a championship as uh, he considers his retirement at some point in the future year.
1: Yeah, very true. And, uh, you know, we saw the reemergence, if you will, of Kevin Harvick and the entire Stuart Haas Racing uh, Ford team they were kind of lacking in the middle, beginning, the middle of the season. They certainly did come on strong, just come up a little bit short for, for Eric Almirola. Uh Kevin Harvick able to race his way in though. So like I said, you got to take the positive that you got one in the, in the playoffs and I'm sure they're helping put forth effort towards that championship run, but also then some of the, the teams can work towards next year so that they all benefit. So, uh, like I said, you got to take the positive and, like you said, they come back with a vengeance next year.
0: Exactly right. Okay, it's time for us to move on now uh, to our truck series preview of uh, the race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, again, whoops, I'm on the cup page. I want to go to the truck page. Uh, uh, the race is actually going to take place tomorrow night after Uh, The Arkham and Art Series race, it'll be Thursday, September the 15th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll race a distance of 200 laps, uh, and they'll have three stages ending on lap 55, lap 110, which will also be 55 laps, and then 90 laps uh, for the last stage ending on lap 200. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, this is uh, the precise reason, along with the Arkham Art Series race, race tomorrow night, why we're doing a podcast uh, today uh, prior to uh, these races so that uh, we can actually sit back and enjoy the races tomorrow night. Uh, but uh, there's uh, a lot going on here. Uh, they're going to do a virtual uh... crew chief meeting and driver meeting uh... there is uh... uh the garage is going to open on thursday m- late morning uh... they'll have the inspection process uh... that will start from eleven thirty and continue until four o'clock uh... they'll have a virtual rookie meeting and a, another virtual driver and crew chief meeting the practice for groups one and two will take place at four thirty to five oh five p m and then they'll have the qualifying it is an impound race from five o five to six p m uh it'll be single vehicle, two laps all entries, and then the race actually starts at nine p m uh it will be a distance of hundred and six miles so um a pretty full day there. Uh, tomorrow for the truck series uh let's take a look at the entry list here uh for this race uh there's quite a few drivers i'm just checking to see if there's anybody unusual on the list here jay there's a tba for Rayum brothers number four i'm sorry number 43
1: yeah i'm trying to get it pulled up myself here uh I know we got 37 37 drivers and teams entered, so we will have one that misses the race. And the fact that we highlighted each of the series running at Bristol Motor Speedway but in a different position. The truck series here, they just ended their uh, first round and eliminated two drivers. This is their first race of the round of eight. Cup Series, they're ending their round um, of 12 or 16, sorry, to go to the round of 12 and then the Xfinity series is ending the regular season so a little bit different position for each of these series here the truck series first race very important we've seen that uh, get off to a good start
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's true we've seen we've seen the truck series uh, get off to a good start and uh they're already in their next round and uh it is going to be interesting on this entry list youngs motorsports has a couple of uh, to be announced um uh, entries here the number two, zero 2 and the number 20 and then rayum brothers uh has uh a couple of uh to be announced uh entries for the number 33 as well as the number 43 other than that i really don't see uh anything unusual about this entry list jay or yeah jay i got the right name
2: <laughs> yeah
1: um there are a couple of uh ones that i that i'd like to hit um we talked about jake garcia from the late models he will be in the uh, mcnally higelman racing number 35 uh with hmm. Chad Norris looks like as his crew chief. Yep, there we go. Uh, Chad Uh Norris is his crew chief. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Caden Honeycutt on the On Point Motorsports, number 30, with Will Bradford as the crew chief of that Toyota. And then we talked about Raja Karuth and he'll be driving for Spire Motorsports in the number seven, and Kevin Mannion as his crew chief.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really cool to see. Uh, and then uh, John Hunter Nemechek is back. I know he's been uh, running the circuit. He's one of the drivers that are being affected uh, by the switch with Kyle Busch Motorsports. Motorsports, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Connor Mosack is in that Brett Holmes Racing number 32 this weekend as well. Um, so, yeah, there's just uh, – it, it is going to be interesting. Uh, drivers are going to want to kind of uh, get that win in this first race of the, um, uh, of the next round. Uh, 37 drivers and teams, 36 spots. So, as Jay mentioned, one, one of these drivers is going to miss uh, the race. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other info here that we can share with people.
1: Um, well, and one th- one thing I look at of how important maybe this round more than any others of a good run at Bristol. the next race in the round is a talladega uh two fifty on october first that's a wide open wild card, and then your cutoff race is homestead Miami, so you don't want to be going into uh, homestead Miami in any kind of crunch and need to win or extreme point situation, and that Talladega race in between. I think this one may be the very most important first round race of any of the rounds,
0: yeah that's true uh let's let's kind of refresh everybody's memory of uh this reseeding uh of the truck series point standings uh after two drivers missed. The cutoff, that was Carson Hosafar and Matt Crafton. Uh, they were eliminated after Kansas. And so now we have eight drivers left. Four of those drivers will be uh, eliminated prior to the race at Phoenix, uh, which is the championship race for the final four.
1: All right. Well, we start at the top, and Zane Smith goes back to the top. Uh, Did not pick up a victory there in that round, but still goes back to the top of the points with 37 playoff points. So he sits at 3,037. Chandler Smith did win a race in that round to advance um, and lock himself in and picked up five more points. So he recedes at second with 3,028 points. John Hunter Nemechek, same boat, had picked up a victory. Um, probably going to move on in points anyway but the victory gives him those five points he starts at 3024 so you're 13 points just the difference between the top three uh fourth is ben rhodes at 3017 Stuart friesen at uh, 3013 then you got ty majeski 3008 grant infinger 3007 as well as christian eckes at 3007 and those are your eight drivers Right now, Stuart Friesen from 13 through 8 and sevens of Majeski, Enfinger, and Echies are the ones below the cut line. The first driver above them, Ben Rhodes, only four points ahead. Um, and I, th- I talk about Grant Enfinger. He's the one that won the first race of the first round. Could have very well been with Matt Crafton or Carson Hosevar as seeing if they made that cut. That victory ensured he moved on. Yes. yes
0: indeed and um uh I would look for Grant and Finger to have a good run this weekend as well at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, he is one uh he is a tough competitor. And especially when the chips are down, he puts his best foot forward. He was in the same situation coming into the first round, and he was able to get that first win in the first race of the first round. We're now in the first race of the second round. uh, We'll see if he can make that happen again uh, before uh, the elimination race. So, uh, yeah, only four drivers. Four drivers will be eliminated in this next round, and that's kind of unusual from the other two series. Usually they eliminate two at a time. But in the truck series, this is the round where four drivers will be eliminated uh, when we get to the final four at, at Phoenix.
1: And I, and I look at I know I know we talked about it a little bit, uh, you and I, Sharon, uh, Stuart Friesen certainly didn't have the race we expected to, this past week. Um, so far here in the playoffs, we haven't heard a whole lot from Christian Eckes. Uh, so, and those two are under the cut line as it is right now. Chandler Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, your top guys, winning races as well as being ahead in points. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be on top of your game when it comes to the playoffs in any series, but especially in this truck series.
0: Yes, indeed, uh, it, it, there is no room. Uh, for relaxing, especially once the playoffs begin. Uh, these guys uh, have to put their best foot forward. Uh, but it puts a lot of pressure on these guys, too, because they don't want to let their team down, they don't want to let their sponsors down, and they want to put their best foot forward. Uh, but they're also human beings, and mistakes are going to happen. Uh, it sometimes comes down to who makes the fewest number of mistakes over who advances and who doesn't advance. So uh, that's going to be something to watch this weekend uh, out at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway uh, in this truck series.
1: The other, the other thing I look at when we talk about it being at Bristol, uh, there's uh, several drivers that are non-playoff drivers that could play spoiler. And I've got to start with one that was in the playoffs but is no longer, actually both of them. Carson Hosivar. uh I didn't pull his stat line up. I was going to look and see how many second-place finishes he does have. But he could be one to still pick up a victory throughout this year as he has been ever so close. And you can never count out Matt Crafton, a veteran of the sport. Uh, he's upset he's not uh, in the playoffs any anymore. Uh, certainly would like to play spoiler and still pick up some victories throughout the end of the year here.
0: Yes, yeah. without a doubt. <laughs> They definitely want to uh, try to pick up as many points as they possibly can uh, uh, going into these uh, playoffs, and especially as early in a uh, round as they possibly can to take some of that pressure off of themselves uh, for moving into that next round. So the earlier they can do that, the less pressure they have for the other two races. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch Uh, without much doubt now there's um um, let's see if there's any news that we need to bring up here in the truck series um oh yes there is some news here the truck series was added to the all-star weekend at north wilkesboro speedway for 2023 so uh, you can see uh the truck series that weekend as well as uh i'm trying to see here um if the xfinity i thought they said three day event i think the xfinity series may be racing there as well
1: well i know we have that on our uh, hot topics yeah the uh, nascar announces the 2023 nascar national series schedules that is a big highlight for the camping world which will now become craftsman truck series Um, to be added to the highlight or uh, added to the All-Star Weekend. Um, Also, they're returning to the Milwaukee Mile as back in uh, business, the NASCAR business with the Milwaukee Mile for the truck series.
0: Yes, they are. Um, I wanted to see here. I'm just quick reviewing the uh, schedule here. I don't see North Wilkesboro on the schedule for the Xfinity Series. So I guess uh, that answers that question.
1: I'm I'm thinking, I know uh, Marcus Smith alluded to uh, several events. I'm thinking that one might be either maybe an ARCA Series, a modified. uh, I think the modifieds would be a great addition to that weekend if I were in charge. Um, But that's a personal, uh, personal opinion for sure. Um, or we might see one of the, the uh, Cars Late Models, uh, one of those series. They had a great showing there in this NASC- North Wilkesboro Revitalization Program. Um, they might get rewarded as being part of that All-Star Weekend.
0: Yes, and to you the point that you brought up as well, the Milwaukee Mile returning to the schedule for the Truck Series, I think that's awesome news. Uh, and uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um now, from Kansas, there were two truck crew chiefs uh, that earned penalties. Um, the number 15 Ford driven by Tanner Gray and the number 61 Toyota Chase Purdy uh, were each bound with one lug net loose uh, after the Kansas race. Mike Hillman, Jr., crew chief for the number 15 DGR racing outfit, and Matt Lucas, crew chief for Hattori Racing Uh, Their number 61 entry, were each find $2,500 as the rule book uh, says that those tires and wheels must be secured properly. So uh, two uh, lug nut penalties coming out of Kansas uh, for those two organizations. And then, of course, the Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, moving to Chevrolet for 2023 is another big news story that we'll talk more about in Hot Topics.
1: Well, and I know we still got to wait on some information with that. They don't have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, but uh, that is the plan that they move to Chevrolet, and I don't know. We'll get into it in hot topics, but I don't know how that affects drivers like Chandler Smith and uh, John Hunter Nemechek down the road.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity Series at Bristol Motor Speedway. They'll be racing the Food City 300 on Friday night. Uh, Again, these are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night races this weekend. Uh, Friday night is the Xfinity Series at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on USA Network. Uh, They'll have practice on Friday, September the 16th, 2.35 to 3.10 p.m., Qualifying is Friday, September the 16th at 3.10 to 4 o'clock. Again, it's an impound, single vehicle, two laps, all entries uh, qualifying event. Uh, Radio coverage will be available on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Um, So uh, let's uh, take a look at the entry list here and see if there's anything uh, that stands out on this entry list.
1: Well, we start with there's 41 cars on the entry list for Friday's Food City 300 Xfinity Series race there at Bristol Motor Speedway, which unfortunately means three cars will fail to qualify. So, got to be aware of that. And there are definitely some ones to highlight here.
0: Yes, indeed, we've got notables in the zero two is Sage Karam, number five will be Brandon Brown, number six. Uh will be driven by Bobby McCarty, the number 13, Chad Fensham. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt's back in the number 26. Kyle Weatherman will be behind the wheel of the number 34. Patrick Emmerling will drive the number 35. Alex LeBay, uh, driving the number 36, the number 38, will be driven by C.J. McLaughlin, the number 44, Ryan Ellis. Number 45 is Stefan Parsons. Nick Sanchez will be behind the wheel of the number 48. Uh, driving the number 77 will be Ronnie Bassett Jr. Matt Mills will be in the number 78. And Josh Williams will be behind the wheel of that number 92.
1: Definitely some interesting things there. We've seen Sage Karam uh, make some starts um, road racing. To see him at Bristol is uh, certainly going to be interesting. You talked about Brandon Brown moving over to the number five. Uh, I know we've talked about that a couple of times. Sponsorship works uh, the way it works. the back and forth doing what's best for that team. So we'll have to look to see who's in the actual number 68. But Nick Sanchez in that number 48 for uh, Alpha Prime. I like this. I've said if they could get a full-time deal put together for a driver, and I think throughout the year they've kind of been checking on drivers, testing them. Uh, giving them auditions, and Nick Sanchez is the one that's going to be able to showcase his talent this weekend.
0: That is so true. Uh, And, uh, again, uh, a lot to look forward to here. I think we've highlighted all of the people that uh, are kind of uh, uh, additions to the Xfinity series. I want to just mention Jeremy Clements. As you may recall, had a win recently, and uh, that win uh, was not taken away, but he was eliminated from the playoffs. Well, they uh, appealed the penalty and won the appeal. So Jeremy Clements is back in uh, the series playoffs uh, for the playoff season. So that was really good news this week for Jeremy Clements and his race team.
1: It was, and honestly, I I know with the Kyle Bush thing we kind of knew was coming and been talking about for a while, this deal with this overturn and that penalty uh, might have been the biggest news we got this week, truthfully, because it does, as you mentioned, restores that win completely, and he is now in the uh, Xfinity Series playoffs. I feel so bad for Ryan Sieg. Uh, Going into this, we were talking about, what was it, I think he was 12 points up, going to have to be watching his competitor races stay ahead of him. He is now 19 points back because of this with the Jeremy Clements going in.
0: Yes. uh, Unfortunately, one driver had to be bounced in order for Jeremy Clements to uh, be put back in. So uh, let's look at the standings now as they stand for the Xfinity series, uh, Jay.
1: Well, and I'm looking on here. It doesn't have it updated here with uh, with report. I would go Clement to NASCAR.com.
0: Being...
1: Okay. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Um, while I'm doing that, I did want to mention there the, oh, I pulled up the wrong one. One second. NASCAR. Yeah, I was looking at the one-off J-Ski, and I saw it It hadn't updated anyway with that uh, German right, Claimers deal. But they,
0: they have updated over at NASCAR.com. Yeah, okay. And we are working without the news and notes this week. They have not come out yet, so Jay and I are kind of winging it here, trying to give you what we feel is the most important information going into these races this weekend
1: well and with with uh just like we talk about with the uh, availability to watch different races, we have a lot of different information in places we can pull from you know normally we do run from the uh the news and notes there that gets posted anyway on j ski um so this has been a little bit different, but I think we're doing a doing an okay job. <laughs> I'd be doing better if I could get the Xfinity series. I got the Cup series standings up. Let me get the Xfinity. Usually up at the go.
0: top you can um identify which series you want.
1: Oh there yeah, you're right. I didn't click on the Xfinity one first, that's why.
0: Okay. All
2: right. Come on.
0: You want me to go just ahead and point, get started point, or just
1: point I'll just point this out. I don't have Xfinity Internet so maybe that's the problem.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, I don't either. I I I actually have a fiber optic uh, internet service which I absolutely love. I've not had any problems with it since I got it. Um I thought
1: I will I'd say, put that in there to try and push the sponsor.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. I will say we uh, This is the season finale for the Xfinity Series, so this is the last chance for these drivers to try to get a win to get in to the playoffs because the next race is going to be a playoff event for the Xfinity Series.
1: It will be, and I'll take a look at how this will shuffle up here um, once we do the reseeding. Right now they have Noah Gregson listed as the points leader at 2045, Followed by Ty Gibbs at 2040, then AJ Allmendinger at 2032. This isn't, this don't make no sense. Oh, because that's under the playoff. All right, slide back over. Okay, well I'll come back and look at that in a minute. But
0: what's not making sense to you?
1: What? Oh, because it's, it's not lined up right. Okay, I got it straight now. I don't know why these. Uh, A.J. Almeninger is currently your points leader at 1,003. Ty Gibbs, second position at 965. Justin Allgaier, third at 948. Noah Gregson, 931. Uh, Fifth place, Josh Berry, 866. Austin Hill at 769. Uh, We talked a little bit. We're going to talk about it more. Brandon Jones right now in the seventh spot, 756. Then Sam Merritt, Riley Herps, and Daniel Hemrick. You know this one doesn't put him in it, Sheldon Cre- or Jeremy Clements.
0: Well, that's because it's not the reseeded. Jeremy Clements is below the cut line right now, but he does have a oh, win. Okay.
1: Got the win. Okay, okay, that's what was that's part of what was throwing me. Okay, so Riley Herps, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle in the 11th spot. I see what you're saying. You're right. Ryan Seed actually is 12th in points, whereas Jeremy Clements is in 16th, but with that victory, does bump up and lock himself in, and that yeah. again was restored after the overturn of the penalty. So now yeah, Ryan Seed wanna... and Sheldon Creek with that?
0: If yeah, if you want to, if you want to reset the rank to the projected playoff lineup, uh, AJ Almendinger is in line to get that regular season championship at Bristol but they've got a projected playoff rank here, too. If you want to reset that, you'll see what the projected playoff ranking is.
1: And well, and that's what, when I started, that was what was messing me up, was because that's the page I actually started on. So I was confused as to that. Um, so, yeah, let me play with that. I see where the, the buttons are now. Um, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, then, it will be A.J. Almendinger picks up the regular season championship most likely it's not guaranteed yet but with the reseeding it would be noah gregson with those five race wins that goes to the top with 2045 ty gibbs 2040 and aj uh, aj Almendinger even picking up the 15 bonus points would go to third at 2032 um, gets real tight there justin algar at 2030 Now, as Sharon said, this is projected. We still have one race left where they can get uh, the two stage points as well as five points for winning. Um, And then the final rundown of the top ten in the regular season championship are awarded points. So this is Mm -hmm. just projected. Um, Josh Berry, then Austin Hill at 2016. Brandon Jones at 2010. Here it shows moving from 16th in driver points, would start eighth in playoff, is Jeremy Clemens with the five bonus points for winning the race, along with Sam Mayer. Then you got Daniel Hamrit, Riley Hertz, and Landon Castle rounding out the field. Now again, this could all change. We could see Sheldon Creed or Ryan Sieg win a race as well. Then it gets mm-hmm. really interesting as that would be Landon Castle, who's got the pressure on him to maintain.
0: Yes, a lot can change in this race at Bristol. It is, again, their season finale. A lot of these drivers are racing hard in this race in order to get themselves in position to be in the playoffs. The best way for them to move on is if they can get a win, especially those drivers that are at the bottom uh, of the uh, top 12 or those drivers that are below that cut line, uh, that their best bet is to get a win at Bristol to put themselves in. And unfortunately, Landon Castle is the guy that's on that cut line that could get bumped out unless he's able to go out there and get the win himself.
1: Well, it's certainly a, a great year for Landon Castle. They're running with Colleg Racing full-time. Um, I know he's kind of had his ups and downs. James has picked him quite a bit this year and done well with him in our fantasy points. Uh, I'm so happy for Landon Castle. College Racing has built such an organization there. Mentioned A.J. Allmendinger right now leading the uh, championship standings.
0: Yes indeed. Now one of the news stories coming out of the Xfinity series here that we will talk about on Hot Topic Sound Office. Brandon Jones is joining Junior Motorsports for the twenty twenty three series. Uh season. He's gonna be behind the wheel of the number nine Chevrolet for junior motorsports next year, signing a twenty uh signing an agreement uh with junior motorsports for the Xfinity series season. So Jones is a five-time winner an eight-year veteran of the series. He qualified for the playoff in six of the last seven seasons. In addition to his five wins, including a popular victory at Martinsville, Jones claims 35 top five and 97 top ten finishes and a best points effort of sixth in 2022. So that was really big news for Brandon Jones this week.
1: And certainly, and you're right We're definitely going to talk about that In Hot Topics uh, We knew <laughs> that Junior Motorsports Looking for a driver for that number 9 As Noah Gregson has Moved on to the Cup Series uh, Signing on with uh, GMS Petty Racing So uh, st- some things changing there And I think this leads to The Kyle Busch JGR uh, Situation as well Brandon Jones leaving JGR They got Possibly two open seats there in the Xfinity series. One for sure now. We talked about Sammy Smith, uh, what he's been doing, getting some limited Uh starts, the two-time ARCA East champion. Might we see him full-time then in that uh, number 19? Don't know.
0: Well, we're about to find out, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Once one domino falls, it seems like a bunch of dominoes fall after. So and that certainly has held true this week, uh, with uh different announcements coming out this week. Uh after the uh Cowbush K B M announcement. Okay, we are uh, pretty much done unless you have something more that you wanna to add to the uh, Xfinity series, uh Jay.
1: Yeah, well, actually, two quick things here. I mentioned uh, Brandon Brown going into the number five. It's going to be Chris Wright in the number 68. Brandon built Motorsports uh, Chevrolet there with Hummer EV as the sponsorship. Doug Randolph will stay as the crew chief. And then there was another one I just had here. Uh, Michael Walter Brewing is going to be sponsoring Dawson Cram. Uh, Dawson Cram announced today that he'll return to the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving the number 47 Chevrolet for Mike Harmon here in the Food City 300. So a couple other ones to kind of watch and keep your eye on.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Cup Series now. They're racing the Bass Pro Shops Night Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. This Saturday night, under the lights, September the 17th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it will be on the USA Network, radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Practice will be from 4.30 to 5.20 p.m. Eastern. That's Friday, September the 16th. That will be televised on USA, as well as qualifying at 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. on Friday, September the 16th. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, watching that race. Uh, The entry list, um, Jay, you want to cover that?
2: All right,
1: scrolling down to that. I know I kind of proposed this question on, uh, I think it was on our our fantasy group. Uh, Which is a better exciting race, the Daytona race for the end of the season or this first round cutoff race being the <laughs> night race at Bristol. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's going to be 36 teams for 40 spots, so everybody should be able to make it. Uh, Yaley, Almendinger, Gibbs, and Bellicki are all scheduled to uh, race in this race, but there is a full entry list here.
1: And that's always, always good to see, uh, you know, at the cup level at 36. We've seen that throughout the year. Uh, I know that was one of those adjustments that uh, we had to make as, as they cut that field down. But it puts the best racing action on the track. Uh, I understand NASCAR's decision to it. Um, I don't see any others. As I scroll down here, uh, out of the ordinary.
0: Yeah, um, I don't either. I was just...
1: Uh, J.J. Yaley in the number 15 for Rick Ware Racing. It will be A.J. Allmendinger in the uh, number 16 for College Racing. I know they've been rotating drivers throughout the year, so the uh, short track here of Bristol is, uh, falls into A.J. Allmendinger's wheelhouse. Mentioned the 23 of Ty Gibbs. Yeah, those are the only uh, few there that really stand out that aren't your standard drivers. Uh, In case fans haven't uh, heard it or understand it, Ty Gibbs had been filling in the number 45 for Kurt Busch. When the playoffs started, they swapped Bubba Wallace and Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs now running in the number 23. Bubba Wallace, and doing a great job of it, filling in the number 45 to run for the owner's championship, and he has already advanced that team into the next round.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to check out the uh, statistical notes here. Uh, As far as the Cup Series playoff fastbacks uh, at Bristol, uh, the 2022 season marks the third time that Bristol Motor Speedway has hosted the third race of the playoffs. So this is an elimination race for the Cup Series and just the third Cup Series postseason event all time at the .533 mile track. From 2004 to 2019, Bristol Motor Speedway was scheduled as the 24th race of the regular season. It's also the fifth different track in Cup Series history to host the third race of the playoffs, joining Talladega that did it in 2004 and 5, Kansas two thousand six to ten, Dover from two thousand eleven to seventeen, and Charlotte, the Roval, from two thousand eighteen and nineteen. A total of fourteen different drivers have won the third race of the playoffs led by Jimmy Johnson, who did it two thousand eight and thirteen. Greg Biffle in two thousand seven and ten. Tony Stewart in two thousand six and nine, Kevin Harvick in two thousand fifteen and twenty, each with two wins. No non-playoff driver has won the third Cup playoff race at Bristol Motor Speedway in 20 or 21, Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course in 2018 or 19, or at Dover in 2011 to 2017. Two non-playoff drivers have won the third race in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs when the event was held at Kansas from 2006 to 10. That was Tony Stewart who was ranked 11th in points when he won the 2006 Kansas playoff race. Also, Greg Biffle was ranked 14th in points when he won the 2007 uh, Kansas playoff race. Only one non-playoff driver has won the third race in the Cup Series playoffs when held at Talladega Super Speedway from 2004 to 5. NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett was 14th in points when he won the 2005 Talladega Playoff race. So uh, some interesting stats there.
1: They are, and I'd be real curious to see if that changes this year, as we have seen two non-playoff drivers. The Car 45 was, as I mentioned, Bubba Wallace, but he was still a non-playoff driver, as well as Eric Jones winning the first two playoff races, and I believe that was the first time that Darlington had a non-playoff driver winner. So we could see that change this weekend at Bristol. It's unlikely, but we've seen several things we thought unlikely this year uh, happen. so (laughs) who knows?
0: Exactly right. Uh, Here's some other stats that you might be interested in. In total, the winner of the third race in the Cup Series playoffs has gone on to win the title four different times. Uh, yet it has only happened once since the elimination-style format was instituted in 2014. Last season, Kyle Larson won the third race of the Cup Series playoffs at Bristol and then went on to win his first series title. His Bristol playoff victory was the first of a record-tying five postseason wins in a single season. He won at Bristol, the Charlotte Road Course, Texas, Kansas, and Phoenix, Tying NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart, who had five playoff wins in 2011. Are you? Are, did you I, find where I'm at?
1: Yep, I'd, I'd have known the answer if that had been a trivia question. Uh, I know we've talked about that several times. A heck of a battle between Tony Stewart and um, Carl Edwards that year.
0: Exactly right. In 2020, Kevin Harvick won the third race of the Cup Series playoffs at Bristol, but finished the season fifth in the final standings. And when Bristol Motor Speedway's road course hosted the third race of the playoffs in 2018 and 19, none of the event winners went on to win the title in that same season. When Dover hosted the third race in the playoffs in 2011 to 17, two drivers went on and to win the title of that same season. In 2012, that was Brad Kazlowski. He won the third race of the playoffs at Dover and went on to win his first series title. It was Kazlowski's lone win during the 2012 playoffs. In 2013, it was Jimmy Johnson winning the third race of the playoffs at Dover. He then went on to win his sixth series title. It was the first of two playoff wins that season. He won at the second Dover race as well as the second Texas race.
1: It's really interesting to look at, look at that when you look at these statistics of different drivers as well as the different scenarios um, that, that have played out. Sometimes it is a key pivotal race, uh, that third race of the playoffs, no matter what track it be at. Some of them it did play into the fact of which tracks it was at. As And I think Jimmy Johnson uh, seemed to have some very – Likable tracks that he was very secure at Dover being one of them. I know Martinsville um, and Charlotte, so uh, it kind of plays in. And I think that's why I like what NASCAR's kind of been doing of trying to at least change that up a little bit. Um, we'll have to look at that when we look at next year's schedule.
0: Okay, uh, and and there's a lot of really great stats here over at com if you want to check that out. Uh, Again, I always enjoy looking back at what's happened uh, historically uh, during the playoffs. It's always uh, some interesting information, especially if you're looking for who do I want to pick to win this race. And I'm not going to ask you, Jay, because I know we're uh, still trying to decide that.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, and and I think that was on the truck series as well. I was I was going to ask you. I think.
0: uh, I know I'm up. I'm still waiting to make my choice yeah you
1: got okay cup series cup series and uh truck series yeah i was going to ask you in the truck series uh segment there uh as you are the one where to make your next pick for the truck series
0: okay i will i promise i i just want to get some more information before i make that decision
1: well and i know uh, i always feel like maybe we have a little bit of advantage when we do the preview shows some (laughs) of the statistics we get kind of sways me back and forth as well (laughs)
0: Well, and not only that, but I am so far behind. I need as much help as I can possibly get this year.
1: Well, uh, uh, going with that, of when we look at this, the point standings for the Cup Series: uh, the three that would be, or four that would be under the cut line. Kyle Busch is back two points. Austin Dillon uh, back three. Chase Briscoe back nine. Kevin Harvick is in a must pretty much locked in must win position at minus thirty five. He'd have to not only get in those top uh the top twelve but surpass three other drivers, one of them being Kyle Bush. So uh you can relate to Kevin Harvick there and I don't think at yeah. least in the truck series <laughs> I'm that far off of you, so I can't say a whole lot to help you out.
0: <laughs> well, and of all people to compare me to Kevin Harvick, that's kinda of funny.
1: <laughs> Why, are you saying you've been cheating?
0: No. (laughs) If I was cheating, I'd be a lot better than last place.
1: (laughs) Well, that's probably, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Would hope so. Would hope so. You're right.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So anything else you want to make sure we mention here before we move on? Uh, No, I I, I I just just wanted to highlight... Yeah, I know we
1: got that coming up. Um, Trying to look at, I know uh, talking about just above the cut line there, um, it's Austin Sindrick and Tyler Reddick. Reddick obviously in a bad position, been really strong. He's one of the ones only two points up on the cut line as well as Austin Sindrick. So we are nowhere near determining those 12 that are going to advance. The other one is Daniel Suarez. He's up in 10th place at six points up. Above that, Ross Chastain at plus 26. I'd say that's about where your your safety net is. Oh, I'm sure you. it's not real super comfortable, but um, the real battle is going to be Daniel Suarez, Ross, uh, Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, Austin Sindrick above the line, and then Kyle Busch, Austin, Dillon, Chase Briscoe. But again, Kevin, I, I don't know if you saw the interview he did with uh, Bob Pockrest when asked about it said he's in a must-win situation, how he felt about it, and Kevin Harvick's response was better than most. He runs good at Bristol, so look out.
0: Watch out. Okay, so yes, thank you. I'm glad you brought up uh, where we are with the points because this is an elimination race, uh, Jay, and uh, so these point standings are very, very important, and they will reset again after the Bristol race. So uh, this is the third race of the first round. And, uh, and we've already seen where uh, Chase Elliott was the uh, regular season champion, and that was no guarantee that he was going to stay at the top of the point standings. That's all changed now.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, the first two races, and this is where that, how important that is. He built up 40 playoff points. Right now he is in seventh position. When they recede, then that 40 points, uh, looking through the rest of them, uh, would put him back up at the top of the points by roughly 15 points. Joey Logano is 25. Now that's not counting what they get this weekend at Bristol, but every round you get to restart with those points you've built up in the regular season. Um, so, you know, I, like I mentioned, uh, I think it was uh, Ross Jastain, uh, D- uh, Tyler Reddick had 12 points built up But he's right there at the cut line By only plus 2 uh, Chase Elliott shouldn't have to worry about that But it's a possibility And that's what we build on that Throughout the season How important the regular season is To build those playoff points
0: Well and I think the other thing that it illustrates Is how quickly you can lose that advantage If you have a bad race So um You know, it comes down to trying to make the fewest possible number of mistakes that you possibly can. Uh, And it's not just the driver, it's the team as well, and the car that they give to the team, uh, to the driver. So everybody's kind of involved in this in trying to be as near perfect as they can possibly be. Uh, But people make mistakes, and that's what makes all of this so interesting
1: you're right and we do a lot of talking about the driver but you're you're absolutely right it is a team sport especially when we talk about and i hate to hate to pick on martin truex but when we're talking about three points that's three positions on a track how big of an impact the pit crew can have on three positions on the track in any given race
0: that is so true Okay, we are at the top of the hour and it is time for us to head into our we've been talking about it all afternoon. Uh we're gonna head into our hot topic sound off segment and uh joining us today is going to be uh another member of our Fan for Racing crew and that is Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike.
5: Hey good to talk to you all in kind of an unusual time.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, it is. Uh, but we've got we're free to watch the races tomorrow night, which will be really really cool. Okay, Mike, I know there's it's been a big big news week this week. What do you want to start off with as our hot topic uh, for tonight? Well, for we might today. as well
5: get it out of the we might as well get it out of the way. Uh, we already talked about Kyle Busch to Richard Childress Racing on monday we probably don't need to beat that horse again because we covered it pretty well but there were some other interesting developments at that press conference namely the future for tyler reddick as well as the future for kbm definitely were some discussion there
0: yeah we know that kbm is going to stay with chevrolet uh but we don't know what's going to happen with each of those drivers so jay your thoughts yeah, and, and that's something that uh,
1: we don't know as far as p- specific contracts. Uh, take John Hunter Nemechek, for example, if he was signed to Kyle Busch Motorsports or if he is a signed to Toyota. I know he has been a Toyota driver. I understand that. But I don't know if he has a contract with Toyota. So that's certainly going to be interesting. It has a huge impact on the what will now be the Craftsman Truck Series next year as KBM has been a perennial championship contender, most certainly for the owner's championship in Toyota, but also then driver championships with multiple different drivers. And I think, Sharon, you've hit on it all along. That was kind of Toyota's development pipeline through the truck series was through KBM. So this has huge implications throughout all series of NASCAR. We, we just read it, actually... Um, Talking about Sammy Smith in the Arca East, that is a KBM Motorsports uh, team now, which was a Toyota. So that too, does that change that brand um, all the way down? And then you mentioned uh, the other part of it, Tyler Reddick. Uh, I know people are still trying to make something, different things happen. Uh, I listened to Dave mm-hmm. Moody, as I usually do, on Sirius XM Speedway. Right now, they are to have a third team with a charter, from my understanding. Don't know where it's coming from. But that Tyler Reddick will drive for Richard Childress Racing at the Cup Series level. Will not be in the number eight, as that is where Kyle Busch is going. Um, But can things change? Possibly. But it sounds like they're saying, hey, we had this commitment. We're going to honor it, you know, through that. Um, It'll be interesting to see, I think, When I talk about that, to me, that's about long-term planning for Richard Childress Childress Racing. I know I put it up of, could benefit another team, and I'm going to use Rick Ware Racing. If Richard Childress leases a charter for one year for a three-team deal, um, when that charter goes back to Rick Ware Racing, they benefit from it for up to three years based on where it finishes, and we'd think with Tyler Reddick or Kyle Busch, whichever one it goes to, that it would reap some rewards for Rick Ware racing that is in monetary amount as well as not being at the bottom of the list where they NASCAR may take it away from them so now that's if he leases it if they outright buy a charter that tells me they're putting into place a long-term plan after Tyler Reddick leaves that they got somebody they want to move up and stay a three-car team so That's where I think the key element is going to come in is whether they lease or buy that charter tells you what Richard Childress is planning extremely long-term for the future.
0: Yes, there are so many layers to peel back on this onion. Um, And I will say one of the things that came out uh, during the media interview uh, is that Richard Childress said that he started looking at Kyle Busch once Tyler Reddick told him that he was going to 2311 for the 2024 season. Uh, so he did not let any grass grow under his feet uh, in looking at an opportunity to put somebody else in that car. So uh, that putting Kyle Busch in that number eight car is what's bouncing uh, Tyler Reddick out into whatever that third charter is going to be. And uh, we'll have to wait for the news to come out on that. But uh, I think it's interesting that uh, Cowbush Motorsports is also switching over to Chevrolet. And I think there's a lot of dynamics uh, that are kind of at play with this as well. Uh, I know in some of our Hot Topic conversations, I've brought this up before, that some of the executives at Ford moved over to Chevrolet. And we've seen Chevrolet have a bump in their performance this season. And I think that maybe is one of the reasons why. Um, Kyle Busch, I think, is recognizing that as well. And I think that's one of the reasons he's going to a Chevrolet team uh, for next season and beyond. Uh, KBM he's willing to move that over to Chevrolet because, and these things go in cycles. Let me just say that. One year is Ford up at the front. The next year it's Chevy up at the front. And another year Toyota is up at the front. I think Toyota's on the backside of that curve on the way uh, down, not necessarily down in the dumps or anything, but just not up to par to what we've seen them race in the past and that's not across the board because we have seen some success from some Toyota cars but not across the board. Uh, Chevrolet, they're seeing a lot of success this season uh, and and uh, having a driver like Kyle Busch and Kyle Busch Motorsports join that Chevrolet Ford is just going to enhance uh, the success that that organization as a whole, and I'm talking about the Chevrolet organization as a whole, is experiencing in NASCAR. Uh, so Kyle Busch uh, adds to whatever organization he is a part of. So I look for Chevrolet to be one of the top running series next season now having said that I will say this I've been a fan at RCR for a long time Jeff Burton used to race at RCR and I will tell you uh, any time they've gone to a three car operation it's been a little bit rocky uh, they don't usually have across the board success with three cars at RCR Now, this could be the exception, having Kyle Busch kind of at the center of uh, of what's happening at RCR right now. But I I have some skepticism uh, from that regard because RCR typically does not do well when they go beyond the two cars. Uh, I understand why they have three cars this season. Uh, I don't know that, uh, well, we'll have to see how that plays out. I'm not going to make any predictions there because, uh, Tyler Reddick is winning at RCR right now and, uh, he's a good driver and we'll see what, how all of that unfolds. But as far as KBM and the other drivers, Uh, there's not a lot we can actually say about that right now because those drivers are in the process of what Kyle Busch just finished doing, and that's looking at other organizations that they can race for. They've got to decide, are they going to stay in that Toyota fold, or are they going to go to another organization as well? Because as as you mentioned, uh, some of these drivers have been KBM, uh, not KBM, but uh, Toyota racing development drivers. And, um, Uh, that would be a huge loss, I think, for Toyota if they lose some of these drivers. But when you think about it, um, what's happening uh, across the board, and one of the things that I've been thinking about is that uh, there's no room at the top for some of these up-and-coming drivers that are coming up through the ranks. Now, there are going to be some drivers that will retire, but a lot of these drivers are hanging on. Eric Almirola just changed his mind about retirement. So, uh, we'll we'll have to see how that plays out, but if those drivers leave the Toyota Racing Development uh, fold, I think that's going to be another huge loss for Toyota. And in addition to losing Kyle Busch, uh, it's still a head-scratcher as to why they allowed that to happen with Kyle Busch. But um, I think that uh, it does not bode well for Toyota at this point to lose some of these up-and-coming drivers if they go to another manufacturer and another team. So we'll see how it plays out. We don't have any inside information on where these drivers are going to go. It's all speculation at this point until they make some announcements uh but mike what are some of your thoughts
5: well first off regarding tyler reddick it was a obviously that was the biggest question going into the announcement yesterday was what is tyler reddick's future looking like and we got a lot of answers there but there's still a good bit of question uh first and foremost we know it's going to be a third richard children's racing car but like jay said we don't know if it's going to be on a leased charter a purchased charter or what kind of an arrangement it's going to be there. Richard Childress Racing currently has two charters for the number three and the number eight, as well as two affiliated charters with Petty GMS for the 42 and the 43. It sounds like all four of those charters are spoken for as far as drivers for 2023. Uh, Austin Dillon in the three, Kyle Busch in the eight, Noah Gregson in the 42, and Eric Jones in the 43 are all signed for next year. So I don't think an RCR affiliate charter is going to be available. This comes down to do they purchase or lease another charter? We don't know yet. Uh, The previous purchase price that's been kicked around for a charter is $20 million. And I know Richard Childress has a decent amount of money in his back pocket, but I don't know if he wants to spend $20 million for what could be a short-term thing. Like you said, Sharon, RCR doesn't have the best of luck with fielding three competitive race cars. You usually would have one, maybe two be competitive, and then the third one would be way off. And Richard Schilden's been around this business for a long time, and he's got a pretty good memory. I'm pretty sure he remembers that maybe three charters is more than their organization can chew for a long term. That opens the door to leasing. We're going to have to pay attention to see how that goes. But it is interesting to see that, at least temporarily, RCR is planning on expanding to that three-car operation to get their money's worth out of Tyler Reddick. I think that's a smart move. Tyler Reddick is probably one of the best, most promising drivers in the Cup Series right now, at least in terms of continued development and upshot. And as as upset as Richard Childress was about the way the 2311 deal went, I think it was a smart idea to not let that get the best of them, and not let a talent like Tyler Reddick go before he had to do so at the start of the 2024 season. So great to have a a home for Tyler Reddick. With regard to KBM, um, I think you guys were already doing the show, but Bob Pockers tweeted out that Chandler Smith, Corey Heim, and John Hunter Nemechek are all Toyota drivers who are currently looking for new rides in 2024. I'm sorry, 2023. I'm not sure if that means that they, that they are obligated to stay in a Toyota or if moving to a Chevrolet is an option for them. However, the move of KBM to Chevrolet does have some serious implications for those Toyota development drivers, namely Nemechek, Smith, and Heim. And what is going to happen with them, we don't really know. It's definitely something we're going to have to pay attention to, and it really depends on openings and availability. Um, there is an opening in the J- in the JGR Xfinity series all of a sudden. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's a potential move for one or more drivers to maybe not go to another truck series team if there's an Xfinity opportunity. But definitely some serious movement in the Xfinity, especially the truck series level, as Toyota has more or less just lost their entire development program on the truck side. And speaking of which, What a huge loss for Toyota. It's one thing to lose their flagship driver with Kyle Busch. That happens from time to time. But the fact that Kyle Busch took effectively Toyota's entire development program away with him, uh, it's hard to state how big of a loss that was for them. We just mentioned three up-and-coming Toyota development drivers that are now scrambling to try and find a new home for next season, whether that's in a Toyota and they continue to develop along the Toyota pipeline, or if Toyota ends up losing those drivers as well, wow. I understand it's that accurate. business is business, and and, and yeah, and, and money does what money does. But I don't know. I I'm, I wasn't privy to any of these discussions. Obviously, I don't know what the numbers were on paper, but you figure Toyota would have fought a little bit harder, if, if nothing else, to preserve the the Kyle Busch Motorsports Truck Series deal. And make some sort of a concession where yes, Kyle Busch could drive a Chevy in the Truck Series, or sorry, in the Cup Series, but we're going to keep KBM as a Toyota uh, Toyota uh, affiliated team. Something, anything to preserve their development. But it really feels like the whole rug got pulled out from under Toyota. I think Joe Gibbs Racing is going to be okay next year. We don't know who's going to be driving to 18. Everyone's kind of penciling in. Ty gives into that ride, but that's not a sure thing either. Either way, it's going to be really hard to replace Kyle Busch over there. I can't help but feel like the biggest loser in this deal was Toyota.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: <laughs> okay, so often I say I disagree with Mike. I 110% agree with him there. <laughs> this isn't just about... Kyle Busch in the Cup Series in that Joe Gibbs Racing number 18. Uh, that's a hit, obviously, but Joe Gibbs Racing is going to be okay, whether it be with Ty Gibbs, whoever they put in there. This is about Toyota all the way through. Uh, Sharon and I, we were talking about it. Sammy Smith winning his second ARCA East Championship is in a KBM Toyota. That's down at the ARCA Menards East Series level. So you're right. I mean, this goes very deep and I'm with Mike and I don't understand how if Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota couldn't find money for sponsorship or somehow come to an agreement how it is that Richard Childress Racing uh, can. So you know there had to be like Mike said kind of alluded to of uh, the true effort, I mean, uh, that was put behind it or the determination to make it happen. So I uh, I do think this is a huge hit And I know it's a little bit different. We know Kyle Busch's talent, but I think back to when Ford Racing allowed Jeff Gordon to get away from him. Granted, he was an unknown at that point, but they were at least had him in the pipeline, if you will, and supposedly under contract, or they thought. um, To see something like that entirely change a manufacturer's presence and I think this Kyle Bush deal is gonna be felt across the board in many year for many years, um, when it pertains to the KBM motorsports deal that we've been talking about. The other the other this, thing I wanted to highlight here. Oh, go ahead, Sharon.
0: No, 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 go ahead. I thought you were done. I jumped in too okay. soon.
1: No the one other thing that, that uh I know some of the reports have indicated, talking about Richard Childress signing It was really Austin Dillon that kind of brought it forward, and I don't want to say negotiated, but was kind of the front lead on making it happen, being the first one to reach out to Kyle Busch. Richard Childress admitted, he said, you know, Austin came to him and said, hey, with Tyler Reddick gone, can we look at Kyle Busch? Can we make it happen? Do we want to? Uh, I was kind of of happy to see Austin Dillon taking that leadership role within the organization as well.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting. I I was uh, uh, kind of intrigued by that as well. And, uh, you know, and like I said, the other thing that came out was after Tyler Reddick's announcement of going uh, somewhere else in 2024 uh, that Richard Childress uh, didn't let any grass grow under his feet. He got on that right away uh, at the behest of uh, Austin Dillon suggesting uh, Kyle Busch. So uh, I do think, you know, that that is uh, kind of a big deal there. Um, But I I agree with you guys 100%. I think this is a huge, huge loss for Toyota. I'm scratching my head over how in the world did they allow this to happen. Uh, It almost, well, I don't know if I should say it or not, but I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. It almost makes you feel like maybe there was some kind of falling out. Uh, that happened at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing or with Toyota uh, because I just cannot imagine from a business perspective why in the world would they let a driver of Kyle Busch's caliber uh, go knowing that he had their pipeline in KBM Motorsports, uh, KBM uh, Trucks, and ARCA. And all, like Jay said, this just goes so deep. And they've allowed all of that just to evaporate in front of them. And uh, I, it, it's it's disappointing in a lot of ways. Uh, but I do see uh, this as a big, big win for Chevrolet, for Richard Childress Racing, and uh, probably for the KPM team as well, uh, giving those drivers that opportunity uh, to – Advance through the Chevrolet pipeline. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out, and uh, we'll see how this uh, works out. I'm curious to know where that uh, third charter is going to come from as well. And I think you're right, Mike. I think probably the thing that makes the most sense is for them to lease a charter uh, in this coming year for that third entry at rcr uh, but again it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out uh, the fact that they've got drivers of the caliber of cal uh, bush and tyler reddick uh, could mean uh, that they can run those three cars pretty well uh, but we'll have to wait and see how that plays out historically that has not worked out well so we'll see how it works out uh moving forward here. I can't wait for the other announcements. Uh we've seen a bunch of other announcements in you know immediately following this Kyle Bush announcement, but uh there's more to come without a doubt. Mike your thoughts.
5: Yeah, more to come for sure. Um the uh, I think the, the big question mark here is the future of those of three KBM Toyota-affiliated drivers. I think that's probably the biggest question mark, and you can't help but feel bad for them. They did nothing wrong. It's just mm-hmm. business, but they, they – in the span of – it's not like this deal came together or at least was finalized in a very short period of time, a month or so, maybe less. And in that span of time, these drivers went from a very promising trajectory to – a very questionable one. I'm not saying their career is over. Their talent can speak for themselves and if they have the ability and and the money, they can continue racing, continue to develop and and find other pathways to success in the industry, but it feels like through no fault of their own, they they really got uh, they took a beating here and you can't help but feel bad for them.
0: Yeah, I think they'll land on their feet, but yeah, you kind of feel bad for them in the short term for sure. Okay, Jay, what's our next hot topic uh, to bring up here?
1: Well, for for me, this might have been the bigger news of this week. I know, like I said, we had talked a lot about the Kyle Busch deal going into it, but we have a new playoff driver returning to the playoffs in the Xfinity Series, the number 51 of Jeremy Clements, as they had their penalty overturned and their win restored.
0: Okay, uh, Michael, your thoughts on that?
5: Oh boy. Oh, it hurts.
0: It
5: hurts so <laughs> bad because this is two topics in a row where me and Jay are in violent agreement. Um if we didn't know anything about the Kyle Busch deal and this the whole Richard Childress Racing everything was dropped in our laps with uh, with no advance notice, maybe this wouldn't be as big of a deal, but I agree with Jay. This is the biggest news of the week so far. Uh, If you all aren't familiar, Jeremy Clements won the Daytona race a few weeks ago in the Xfinity series. And after post-race, I think they did a a teardown inspection on that car. So he, he was credited with the win at the racetrack. But after further inspection of the car, he was issued an L2 penalty. And I didn't even think this was still possible. I thought NASCAR a couple of years ago had said either win or you don't. But, nascar said you're going to keep the win and it's going to be the old encumbered win so you can't count it towards playoff eligibility which effectively eliminated the 51 from the playoffs um well they appealed the penalty and the the appeal was granted which is unusual in and of itself but it's huge implications for that little team it's a small family run operation i'd be surprised if they had 10 full-time employees there so it's absolutely huge for that team to be back in the xfinity series playoffs Bad news for Ryan Sieg because he got pushed back out, but huge for Jeremy Clements and his small team to uh, to be back in the Xfinity Series playoffs. I'm really happy for him. I'm glad to see it. I hope they do well.
0: All right. Uh, I, I agree. This is huge news. We haven't seen this all season long. Every time uh, an appeal has come up, uh, or practically every time, I can't say every time, but um, – It seems like NASCAR has, uh, the appeal has not held up, and the penalty stands. Uh, This is a small team, and so this is a big, big win for the little guys, uh, for Jeremy Clements, not only to win the appeal, but to put himself back into the playoffs so he is now playoff eligible uh, the loser in all of this is going to be Ryan Sieg uh, and he's going to uh, have to really race hard uh, in order to keep himself in the playoffs this is the this Xfinity Series race at Bristol is the regular season finale and so he'll be racing this weekend to try to get that win to put himself into the playoffs as well but that would put Landon Castle on the outside looking in. So somebody's going to end up being a loser uh, from this decision. Uh, and unfortunately, they've left it up to the drivers to duke it out at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, but this was really, really huge for Jeremy Clements. I'm happy for him. Uh, he is one of the small organizations within the Xfinity Series. Uh, and for him to make it into the playoffs, Uh, is going to be very huge for that team Uh, from a sponsorship perspective, uh, from a growth perspective for Jeremy Clements Racing and for Jeremy Clements himself. So um, uh, anytime you're in the playoffs, uh, it's a big, big deal for you and your sponsors and your race team. So uh, this was a huge win in many, many ways uh, for Jeremy Clements Racing. I don't have a whole lot more than that to add so jay i'm going to go to you and your thoughts
1: well truthfully and i know we never will uh to hear the actual arguments that were made what blows my mind in this is going into the appeal it appeared that the number 51's argument was that whatever was wrong or illegal with the car added no speed to it no advantage and i did hear on uh i think it was the morning drive this morning that what they had on it or the way it was, and I'm trying to recall even what the exact um, illegal portion to it was, um, but that it actually slowed the engine down. Um, but it's still against the rules. And if your only argument is it didn't help win the race or make speed, that then it should be exempted. Uh, that hasn't held water forever and a day. So, I don't know if they made a different argument uh, when it came to the appeal board, whatever it was, they got it overturned. And, and that, like you've you mentioned, is just so huge, puts them back in the playoff. Uh, even the monetary penalty with that can affect that kind of team so hard. Uh, we've seen that with a couple of smaller teams in the past of just a monetary fine, fine can put a real damper on their efforts. So this is extremely huge for that team. I'm happy to see them back in the playoffs. I feel bad for Ryan Sieg right now, as you mentioned, the first one to be the loser. If there's another winner that comes out of Bristol, it could also then affect Landon Castle, um, depending on how he runs. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But I am happy for uh, for Jeremy Clements and that number 51 team. It was such a feel-good story, and then it got taken away. The other thing, Mike hit on something there that kind of makes me wonder – been that NASCAR had ruled out and eliminated that encumbered win, if that's why it got overturned, because they said that no longer exists, so you can't issue that penalty. Uh, that kind of brought some curiosity to my mind.
0: Yeah, the part, uh, J was the intake manifold.
1: There we go, yeah, something to do with the spacing in the intake manifold, yep. Maybe oh, okay. Mike can shed some light on that.
5: Well, if you're handing it over to me, um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't really know anything more about the specific infraction of what they did or allegedly did to the car and whether or not it would legitimately provide a performance advantage or not. Of course, any team that gets caught doing something, to say, they're going to say pretty much that. It wasn't an advantage. It was just uh, something that we did for safety or so, they're going to say anything but that we did something to get a performance advantage. I, we'll leave it at that. As far as the, the granting of the appeal, this is, this is kind of where it, it's, it's tough to be fans and see that an appeal gets granted or denied for that matter and get no further information as to the reasoning why. Obviously, they don't owe us anything, but fans like us get real curious, especially in a situation like this where the precedent is very strongly along the lines of appeals don't get granted. Almost... I don't know what the percentage is, but it feels like probably high 80% if not more of all appealed penalties get upheld because, well, these guys get caught cheating from time to time. And NASCAR usually gets it right when it comes time to issue penalties for infractions on car modifications or any other violation of the rule book. So it's very rare that we see an appeal actually upheld and a penalty get rescinded. So that's, this is kind of unusual. I really wish we'd get some explanation on it, but here we are. With regard to uh, Jay's point of, well, maybe it was a inconsistency in the rules, not so much a, a successful argument regarding performance, that has some merit as well, and again, that's why I really wish we could know what their specific reasoning was for overturning that penalty. You can't help but feel like it's a win for the little guy, and I know that's not really something that they, they're going to take into account when, other, when they decide whether they're going to grant an appeal or not, but... It really can't help but feel for a team like Jeremy Clements Racing, who works so hard with so few people and so little resources. They finally break through and get a big win at a place like Daytona, and they're so excited about it. And a couple of days later, they absolutely get kicked in the teeth with a penalty like this. You can't help but feel that, you know, they, they got a little bit of a break there. I, like I said, I'm not saying that there was anything underhanded or inconsistent with how the rules are applied. It's just kind of how it feels.
0: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think the reason they don't get into the specifics on these kinds of things is even though it didn't give them a competitive advantage, just by releasing some of that information, it gives some of these other guys an idea to try (laughs) something that could give them a competitive advantage. Uh, So NASCAR kind of keeps some of that stuff under pretty tight wraps for that reason. Uh, and I think that uh, that they're just being um, – I'm trying to think of a word that I want to use here, but cautious maybe is, is one word that could be used here in not revealing some of that information so as to not give ideas to these other teams to try to work in that area to find a competitive advantage, especially if somebody wins an appeal over that, uh, by saying that they don't have a competitive advantage with whatever happened to that particular piece. Now, in the Brad Keselowski situation, they looked at it and they said, uh, what you did was against our rules, but what you did makes sense, and we're going to put it out across the board for everybody uh, to be able to do the same thing. So, uh, you know, in that case, uh, they thought that there was a change that was made uh, that was advantageous for everyone, and, and they went ahead and made the change uh, across the board. But, yeah, I, I just feel like um, that, that's why NASCAR is being a little tight-lipped about that, uh, and they don't want to put out too much information there. Um, so I'll leave it at that, and, Jay, you get the uh, your say here on the follow-up.
1: Well, for, for part of part of Mike's, I'm going to agree with him by disagreeing. I think the overturn rate of, of appeals is probably above 90%. We just don't see it all that often. Um, I know this year Brad Keselowski's was, but that was from a safety aspect that NASCAR did decide to implement. Um, and I'm with him. I would like to see a little bit more transparency when it comes to the decision as and why. But I understand, and Sharon, you're right, NASCAR doesn't want to open the door for other teams by saying, hey, this team did this, it was overturned, and give them an idea or lead them down a certain path if NASCAR doesn't want them down that path. Um, although this may have been okay, they don't want them pushing that that uh, area. So I, I kind of understand that, but I'm also on the side of Mike of, you know, fans that really want to understand what's happening in the sport. Um, so... That information maybe should be a little more i don't want to say public, but um it's a tough position to be in I understand that, and uh, certainly, like you said, Sharon of you don't want to give these teams uh any any kind of idea or inclination to try something that they shouldn't be or NASCAR doesn't want them to be, so try and steer, steer clear of it but uh i I'm kind of in the middle i you know like i said i i really curious as to what argument they made that got this overturned. But I also don't want to see every penalty get overturned because most of the time the penalty is needed and they shouldn't have been doing it. So um, I still stand behind NASCAR. Like I said, uh, most of the time I do feel they got it right. Uh, In this case, I have no idea because I don't know exactly what it was that was wrong with the intake to begin with. And like I said, they may have made a completely different argument from what I saw and heard via social media their answer was it wasn't a competitive advantage, and I just don't see that winning and turn, overturning an appeal. So I feel like there had to be something else that was said um, to change that over, but we don't know.
0: Okay, we'll let that be the last word. Mike, what do you have on your list of, uh, for our next topic?
5: Well, this is kind of late-breaking another one uh, when you all were on the show, but NASCAR has released the 2023 schedule for not just Cup Series, but all three uh, major national touring series. Have you all had a chance to take a look at
2: it yet? Uh,
0: Just briefly, I did not get much of a chance to look at it. I know I saw Road America on the list for uh, Xfinity Series. I was happy to see that.
5: So, uh, yeah, I guess I can just kind of go through some of the highlights here. This is probably the least significant change that we've seen year over year for the past couple. We have a major radical change for the uh, the 2021 season where they added a bunch of road courses. We had the uh, L.A. Coliseum Clash added for this, this current season, 2022. But there's really nothing on there that we don't already know about. We have the Chicago Street Race. That's, of course, still on there. We have the North Wilkesboro All-Star Race, that's also on there. But other than that, the Cup Series schedule is more or less the same. Uh, some races have changed a little bit For example, the second Atlanta race In July is now going to be raced at night Which is great news, hopefully it won't be As brutally hot there for the fans and the drivers So that's a, a big change But there's not a huge amount of Significant changes in the Cup Series side On um, the Truck Series side Is probably some of the bigger changes uh, The trucks are going to be racing At the Milwaukee Mile next year that's, uh, I don't think that it, any of the Big Three Series has been at the Milwaukee Mile in quite Some time. Uh, trucks are also going to be racing at Sonoma and a big one the truck series will have a points paying race at North Wilkesboro the day before the Cup Series also race
2: that's cool
0: <laughs> okay Jay
1: yeah I, I'm with you Sharon Whoop, make sure I'm off mute you. Uh, yep okay um, I hadn't got a chance to really look at it there were a couple of things and Mike mentioned one of them that we highlighted during the uh, the preview portion Uh, the truck series returning to the Milwaukee Mile and that is huge great I love it that's one of those like gateway I just I've been wanting to see for so long Um, the other ones Mike mentioned we kind of already knew Uh, the only other addition was I think the uh, trucks here I'm trying to read through some notes while I'm doing this Uh, the visit to the Milwaukee Mile will be the first time the trucks are returning to Bruce City since 2009 so there's your date on that been over 10 years um then the truck series uh, getting the festivities started on all-star weekend as they join the uh, north wilkesboro speedway since the first time since 1996 <laughs> that one's about almost 20 years um truck series playoffs will get underway at lucas oil indianapolis raceway park and then crown their champion at phoenix for the fourth consecutive year <laughs> So Mike's right, not a lot of huge changes. And, and the ones that really were, uh, we kind of already knew, such as the Chicago street race. So uh, the only other note here, it says NASCAR will head west. So it'll be the final race on the two-mile version of Auto Club Speedway, um, as that is going to be then in 2024. It looks like now projected for the reconfiguration to the short track. So uh, I know that they, they said of... Um, can't think of his name ben kennedy said maybe one big change per year this year it was the chicago street race talking about an overseas race maybe the big one for next year as they look forward to that Uh, for me the milwaukee mile certainly is uh, a huge one in addition to north wilkesboro with the all-star race
0: Yeah, the other thing that kind of uh, stood out for me is the Xfinity Series uh, being a part of the Chicago Street Race as well on July 1st. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, They added a pair of road courses to the Xfinity Series schedule at Sonoma on June 10th and then that street race on July 1st. Uh, Bristol Motor Speedway is going to host the uh, playoff opener uh, this year, it's the season finale. Next year, it's going to be the playoff opener, uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, the the um, uh, ending of the season at Phoenix uh, is still on the table. There, um, it, the Craftsman Truck Series playoffs gets underway August 11th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, and like the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, they'll crown their champion at Phoenix again for the fourth consecutive year. So all of that kind of remains the same. Um, uh, All-Star Weekend, we talked about them being at North Wilkesboro. Other than that, I don't really see anything else. So I think we've mentioned just about everything. Uh, Darlington's still in play uh, for the NASCAR playoffs to begin at Darlington over Labor Day uh, and the championship at Phoenix. So, yeah, uh, there are uh, quite a few changes, um, and uh, uh, it is going to be interesting uh, to see the schedule uh, start out again with the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum and with the All-Star Race being at North Oaksboro. uh, Seventy-five years that NASCAR will celebrate next season, and uh, I think uh, they've got a good schedule to kind of help celebrate that seventy-five years of racing in uh, NASCAR, so I'm looking forward to it, Mike.
5: The uh, the big question mark here is: we know the trucks are going to race at North Wilkesboro on the 20th. The Cup race, the All-Star race, is on the 21st. The North Wilkesboro advertised a three-day show of racing for what they're going to do that weekend. Obviously, the Xfinity Series is not going to be one of those days. So now the question is still out there of what is the third day at North Wilkesboro Speedway? And this is a little bit self-serving because I'm trying to go to North Wilkesboro. So the big question mark is do I need to go there for three days or – do I just want to go for the the Truck Series race and the Cup Series race? I still need to figure that part out. So that's kind of a big question. My concern with North Wilkesboro is we talked about this on Monday. That surface is it is aged and very dated and. I'm hoping that there's enough laps left on that surface where a Truck Series race isn't going to cause enough damage to cause problems for the Cup Series All-Star race the next day. Definitely something to keep an eye on is the condition of North Wilkesboro Speedway. But there's a lot going on there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I agree with Jay that Milwaukee is a great addition to the Truck Series. That track is another one that was right on the verge of extinction, and it's really nice to see Milwaukee miles start coming back into the discussion here. The one notable thing that wasn't on there is kind of disappointing is no Iowa Speedway date for any of the three major touring series. And that's disappointing because Iowa's a great facility, and it's kind of rough to see a great facility like that languish and not really get the utilization that they really deserve. Maybe for 2024 we can see one of the major three national touring series go back to Iowa. But of all the other things on the schedule, I think the lack of Iowa, if if there was a disappointing thing, the lack of Iowa was it.
0: Okay,
1: uh, Jay. Well, I know we we should have time for one more hot topic where I can disagree with Mike, so I'll save it for that. I have to agree that Iowa not being on there for any of this series is heartbreaking. Um, Sharon, I, I was able to go to that speedway with you and do some coverage there. I don't know mm-hmm. what the ARCA schedule has for them, but you're right, Absolutely. And it was one that was so close to being talked about of getting a cup race, and to now not have any. I'm not sure what happened there. Hopefully we can see that one recover as we have some, whether it be long-term of North Wilkesboro, the Milwaukee Mile, that it doesn't go away and get forgotten. Um, The one thing I want to say here, the balance of the changes. Uh, You know, for so many years, and I want to say it was uh, Chocolate Myers uh, maybe that talked about it. That nascar it was the same every year nothing changed okay we've gone on from that we got to make some changes and refreshing it at least every so often and i think this year is an example of that not any major changes uh i take that back a a few major changes chicago street race obviously a major adding north wilkesville major okay but throughout the whole of it not a whole lot of changes You know, little tweaks. And I know at least for tracks, say, such as the All-Star Race or some others, we've seen three-year deals, five-year deals. I'm okay with that, but then reevaluate after those years. Uh, You know, and I consider, I'm with Mike, the night race at Atlanta is a good move, but I consider that kind of a little tweak of changing it to a night race. (coughs) Excuse me. So I think NASCAR is in a sweet spot of they are making changes. Not major, big, drastic, or totally revamping the schedule like we saw a few years back, but it was needed then because it had been so stalemated for so long, it had to be a complete overhaul
0: yeah and they've done a good job of doing that uh making some changes one thing one other thing that I did notice here is that several tracks still kept their two dates uh tracks like phoenix las vegas richmond bristol kansas uh charlotte they both have, they all have uh two races uh still on the schedule uh yeah uh but the one race track that did not Maintain two races on the schedule. You still have Circuit of the Americas in Texas, but Texas Motor Speedway has only one race, and that's during the round of uh, 12 playoffs in September. They used to have a May race. That May race is now uh, taken by the uh, Worldwide Technology Center, and, in fact, uh, the Circuit of the Americas race is in March. So uh, that's kind of a, a, a big change, I think, as well. Uh, and I think we've been talking about that, that uh, Texas needed to lose uh, one of their dates. Uh, they have, in fact, lost one of those dates, and Circuit of the Americas is still on the track, which I'm super, super happy about. So we'll see how that continues to play out if, uh, if in future years we see any other tracks lose one of their dates. Mike? Mike?
5: The, uh, the loss of the second Texas Motor Speedway race, I don't think anyone's going to shed a tear. Maybe <laughs> when they reconfigure... Uh, I mean, they're, they're talking about reconfiguring Texas Motor Speedway. I'm hoping they don't try and make it into another Super Speedway-style track like they did with Atlanta. <laughs> Nothing against Atlanta, but I think we are at or maybe even beyond critical mass for Super Speedway-style racing. So trying to turn Texas into another Super Speedway, I don't think is a road that they should go down. But... There's a lot of other options out there for reconfiguring Texas Motor Speedway and making it into a better facility that has entertaining racing. Really, that's why they lost the date, is ever since the reconfiguration a few years ago, the racing there has not been good. It has been universally panned by fans who watched it. Even the media, who's usually more apologetic about stuff like that, even they can't ignore just how bad the racing at Texas has become. So... Until Texas can put on a better show with better racing on a more consistent basis, they just honestly don't deserve a second race, especially when there's so many more tracks out there like Coda, or North Wilkesboro or any of the other facilities that are out there that can put on better racing and a more entertaining show for the fans. So maybe Texas can can fix their track configuration problems and recover, but until they do, I think one race a year is more than enough for that facility, and I'm, I'm happy to see it.
0: Okay, uh, let's see. I think we do have time for one more uh, topic, Jay. What do you want to talk about?
1: I want. I want to. Ar- I want to argue with Mike, so I'm going to talk about Brandon Jones going to Junior <laughs> Motorsports in the number number in the number nine.
0: Okay, uh, let's talk about that, Mike.
5: You know, we've been having such a nice day so far. Me and Jay (laughs) have been uncharacteristically agreeable with each other. Well, that's coming to an end. Uh, Unfortunately, what's not coming to an end is Brandon Jones' racing career. Uh, He's been in the Xfinity Series number 19 with Joe Gibbs Racing, arguably one of the best cars in the entire series. This is his seventh full-time season. He's got five wins to show. He's run in outstanding equipment, and he's been mediocre at best. And now he's going to go to the other most outstanding team in the Xfinity Series. And I don't know what the future is for him, but I I guess it's just as long as the check's clear, he's going to have a ride. I'm disappointed to see Junior Motorsports basically go to a pay driver model, but at the same time, it keeps the nine car on the track. I know we were speculating that without a – development driver in the Chevy pipeline like there isn't right now, they would need to take in somebody who brings money to the table, in this case, Brandon Jones, in order to keep that nine car on the track. So I'm happy from that standpoint that the nine car will continue to be competitive because they are a one of the best cars on the racetrack week in and week out. Uh, disappointed to see Brandon Jones in it just because I have no faith in Brandon Jones. That's just to be frank and blunt about it. Brandon Jones's performance over the past seven seasons has not done anything to inspire confidence in his performance going into his eighth full-time season.
0: Okay, Jay. Or I guess it's my turn. <laughs> I was just pulling up Brandon Jones over here at Racing Reference. Uh, he does have five wins uh, since 2015 in the Xfinity Series. He has 35 top ten finishes. He has 97 uh, top ten uh, finishes and six poles throughout that time, uh, so I do think he's had some success. Uh, there's always a learning curve in the. Comparing that to his eight years in the Camping World Truck Series, uh, let's see, he had 228 starts in the Xfinity Series over eight years. 49 starts in the cup in the truck series. He has one win, 14 top fives, and 24 top tens there, uh, and uh, 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 his stats are, are not horrible. Uh, and I do, and I know that he's had a lot of success in the Arkham Menard series as well. In fact, this year he's had, what, two or three wins in the Arkham Menard series as well. Let me see if those stats, yeah, those stats are here too. Uh, yeah, he's had three wins in the Xfinity series uh, over seven years, 29 starts, eight wins, 21 top fives, and 23 top tens with five poles in 29 starts. Um And I think that, uh, yeah, I I think that he has had some success. Now, I know a lot of people complain about the drivers that come in with daddy's money uh, in these series. Uh, But sometimes that is not always an advantage for a lot of these drivers. I know a lot of people think that it is. It gives them the money. But sometimes they have to work a little bit harder uh, in these series because of the perception that a lot of people have kind of put on their backs. Uh, I think Brandon Jones is a very talented driver and I think in junior motorsports equipment, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people next year. And uh, that's, that's all I'm going to say there. I think his stats speak for themselves. Jay? Okay?
2: Well, I'm,
1: I'm going to say a little bit more than that. And you hit on a, what, talking about the Arkham Menard series this year. Uh, we read that this is his fifth start of the year. Uh, he's got three wins, and I think his worst finish was third. Um, so we know he has the talent. Is he the best driver out there? Absolutely not. I wouldn't even begin to try and argue that. But I do not think he is a no-talent driver who is only there because of money. There have been a couple throughout the years that I do feel were that way at the cup level as well as the Xfinity's level, and they're not here anymore. So we'll see how that goes. As far as Mike's argument of um, sponsorship money being why somebody's there, Justin Allgaier is with Junior Motorsports because of Brandt. Um, If Brandt were to go away, I don't know that Justin Allgaier would be there. You can't take that as the sole reason as to whether or not a driver is good. Look at their stats. I believe out of those eight years in the Xfinity series, he has been a championship contender in six of those. Okay. Now, is he winning the championship? No. Like I said, I'm not arguing he's the best driver out there, but he is a solid driver. And we've seen other drivers. I mentioned Jimmy Johnson couldn't win a race in the Xfinity series. Is he a hack, no talent driver? No, he went on to win seven cup championships. You never know. The Xfinity series and cup series are two different series. So, that's one of those of the change of scenery. Joey Logano, another one, couldn't win a race, but uh, Raiden Shorten with Joe Gibbs Racing at the cup level, went on to win a championship for Penske, the change of scenery. So I think this move to junior motorsports is a good thing for him. Now, we've mentioned it with a couple other drivers. Is this maybe their last chance? You know, that again, going to a second powerhouse team when it comes to the Xfinity Series, yeah, if you don't deliver, maybe it is time to move on. We'll have to see. But I do think that he is talented enough to have earned that spot, not just based on money. Uh, as I did the driver he's replacing, Noah Gregson. That's another one Mike seems to think is a no talent. I think he's got five <laughs> wins on the year, going to come out leading the championship standings here in uh, in after this race. Mike, your follow-up?
5: I'll give Noah Gregson credit where credit is due. He has at least finally started to develop to the point where he's able to get what the car has for him. So I'll give him credit where credit is due. Brandon Jones, on the other hand, has not. I, I'm not super familiar with exactly how the 19 car is set up. But I'm willing to bet it's not substantially different than the 18 or the 54 car, yet he continuously runs behind them year in and year out, no matter who is in that car. Same thing for the 20 car back when the 20 was still racing full-time in the Xfinity Series. I'm pretty sure that if I had seven full-time seasons with 250-something career starts, I could probably crank off five wins in the very best equipment that could potentially be put on the racetrack. So, yes. He has won races. Yes, he has made it into the playoffs, but let's not look past the fact that he is one of the most experienced drivers in the Xfinity series, and he is only just barely cracking into that win column every single year while drivers come and drivers go in that series, dominate the series, and then move on. as And guys like Brandon Jones just stay there because that's about the peak of their potential. So you talk about drivers who are – unsuccessful, and there's always a lot of, uh, uh, for lack of a better word to use it, excuses of, oh, well, they haven't had a team built up around them or they haven't had a chance to to grow and and gain experience. So Brandon Jones has had all of that. He's had the team built up around him. He's had plenty of time to develop and gain experience, and he's just kind of doing what he does every single year, and it's working for him. It's working for him, and he just got another ride, but I don't see any potential upshot to Brandon Jones and I think that this I'm surprised he got another ride to be honest with you, but I think this is by far the, the top of the, the, the line for him of where he could potentially go. He's not gonna end up in the cup series. He's he's gonna stay in the Xfinity series probably until the money dries up and that's just how it's gonna be for him.
0: Well, I give Dale Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt a lot more credit than that. I don't think that they would take a no-talent driver into their organization uh, on on a hope and a prayer that he's going to do better. Um, I, I agree with Jay. He's probably not the top talent. Nobody's arguing that. But I think that Brandon Jones does have talent, and I think that Kelly Earnhardt and Dale Jr. have recognized that, and they've taken him into the Junior Motorsports organization. Uh, So I'm not going to insult them by telling them that they've taken a no-talent driver into their organization. I I do think that um, sometimes team dynamics makes a huge difference, and we've seen teams especially under the Joe Gibbs Racing umbrella, that have not always flourished, but when they've gone to other organizations, they've done extremely well, uh, and and some better than others. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to see with Brandon Jones. I think once he gets out of that umbrella, uh, and I'm not saying it's not anything disparaging to Joe Gibbs Racing, it's just uh, looking at what's happened historically at that organization that when teams leave there they sometimes do a whole lot better. So uh I I think that that's going to happen with Brandon Jones. If if he can get uh into a different environment where he's not um uh, you know not always uh at the top of the list. And I think again a lot of that has to do with people having this perception about if your dad makes money and you come into racing that somehow you have an advantage. That perception follows you, and sometimes works against you. And I think that in some cases uh, uh, that's overlooked. So I, I do. I'm happy for Brandon Joe's. I'm happy to see him get another opportunity with a different organization. And I see Junior Motorsports as an organization that is very, very supportive of their drivers. I haven't always seen that uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing for all of their drivers. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams leave because they didn't get the support that they needed uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing. So I'm excited for Brandon Jones, and I do think that we might see some really good things from him at Junior Motorsports. Jay?
1: Well, and you alluded to it, and I'm going to use it. You mentioned earlier in the Cup Series, Richard Childress Racing, that when they try to go to a three- or four-car team, (laughs) that the, the resources are just spread too thin. When it comes to the Xfinity Series and Joe Gibbs Racing, they've always had one developmental driver that the main focus is on. Uh, and then Kyle Busch was coming in and racing and winning races. Okay, so that's with the one team, the other team being full time. And we've seen that. I mean, this year it happens to be Ty Gibbs. Um, you know, Mike said it, we don't know the intricacies of what's in that car or whatever, but we've seen it in other organizations that to maintain multiple cars is really tough at a top level. So maybe he isn't getting the exact same equipment, the best equipment. We don't know that. But I think at Junior Motorsport, Sharon hit on this too, and and I think to right now track house racing, how the team unity is much different. The atmosphere of that team versus a bigger conglomeration like Joe Gibbs Racing maybe isn't as close-knit between drivers, between teams, and everything else. So I really think this is a great opportunity for him. I'm excited to see it. And the following next year's Xfinity Series Banquet, I hope to have barbecue curl for Mike.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All in good humor here uh, and in good faith. Okay. Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour here, so now we're going to do our roundtable. And uh, uh, Mike, will start with you.
5: Sure, it's going to be Mike underscore Zell on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Really looking forward to the racing at Bristol this weekend. It's one of my favorite tracks, year in, year out. They always put on a great show. And even better, my work schedule lines up perfectly with it. I should be done at about, I'll call it, 3 o'clock or so in the afternoon every single day, so I'll be able to catch all the racing action this weekend, and I couldn't be happier. All
0: right. And, uh, Jay.
1: Well, we'll end, uh, we'll end on back to agreeing with Mike. Uh, the Bristol weekend here, especially with these races, the storylines that are going to happen throughout these three races and different scenarios we've talked about, uh, just a huge weekend of racing at Bristol Motor Speedway. So I'm most certainly excited about it. Um, that's one I don't think we'll ever see lose either of its two dates. So you can follow me on Michael Hussman on Facebook, Mopar mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And you may see some friendly jobs between Mike and I on Twitter as well. So,
0: <laughs> okay, uh, I am Fanfare site on Twitter, Fanfare Racing blog, and radio everywhere else, including Fanfare Racing dot com, and uh, we will have our player up on uh, com shortly so that people can listen to the podcast before all of the racing uh, that's going to take place this weekend starting on Thursday night by the way Sunday is a free day no NASCAR racing or ARCA racing on Sunday all of the races will be taking place from Thursday through Saturday uh, all night races uh, and a lot to look forward to as these guys have said it's one of the favorite races uh, the the August race at well I guess we're September now but this fall race at Bristol is one of the most popular races on the schedule and uh, there are so many storylines going into this weekend uh, that we'll be watching as uh, these races unfold uh, with it being the season finale for the Xfinity series and the elimination race for the Cup series and the Truck series back on track uh, for their first race of their next. Uh, round that will eliminate four drivers when that round is said and done. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody uh, enjoys the podcast as much as we enjoy doing it. And uh, a big shout-out to both uh, Jay Huseman and Michael Orzel. You guys have uh, been the stalwarts this week on Pamper Racing uh, Radio as uh, Uh, we've got a few of our members that are out on vacation and honeymoons and work schedules. Uh, You guys kind of kept everything going this week, so I appreciate that. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody on the other side here. Uh, With that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a wrap unless you have something more.
1: That's it. Have a great day, everyone. Just appreciate the time, Sharon. Thank you.
0: Okay, good night, everybody, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Bye-bye.